This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash 365 and get on your way to being your best self. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone else. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 365 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 365. BetterHelp.com. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. May looking, comes it in the end zone, touchdown, Carolina. Bryson Nesbitt. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Second and five. Hedigan's going to keep it. A little RPO. Out to the tight end. Bruce Gore. Bruce Gore to the end zone. 
365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. On the right hip and now to the left to Spencer Rattler. Quick throw intercepted. Jeremiah Trotter heading for the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Second 13. Rodgers taken down again. Harold Perkins, the true freshman. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. No, we're not. We're not. Okay, here we are. Good afternoon, 365 Sports. We're in studio today. Take you up until 6 o'clock. Craig Smoke to my right. Paul Catalina to my left. We appreciate your time. And we will uh, have anything new from the SEC AD meetings. Also, the Big 12 has released the first three weeks schedule and assigned where they're going to be played as far as television. We'll have that in a minute for you as well. News on Ron Holland, former Texas commit. He will not play college basketball next year, but will play basketball. And on top of that, uh, the Big 12 meetings have now begun in West Virginia. ADs are there among perhaps others. And today at 345, Karen Brodkin, Executive Vice President, Endeavor. They are the ones that have been a marketing firm. They're also someone that helped negotiate the Big 12's extension with ESPN and Fox. And Karen Brodkin will uh, join us at 345. Also, Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman. Brandon Marcello, 247 Sports. John Machota, NFL Cowboys, and Paul's Top 5. So let's start with this. The Big 12 has released the schedules for the first three weeks of the season. These are games, everybody knew the games, but there were now, of course, questions about, well, where are they going to play, et cetera? Where is it going to be? And there's that first week, Kent State and USF will play on August 31st. They're going to play late in the week. And then you have Kansas in a night game that same day. And then the first Saturday, September 2nd, Colorado TCU will be on Fox. You'll have down the road, Oklahoma, 11 o'clock on ESPN. There are the games, Texas Rice 230, that's on Fox. Baylor playing Texas State, that game's on ESPN+. Plus. Texas Tech, Wyoming on CBS at 630. Brigham Young home against Sam Houston, that game on FS1. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a, a strange spot for, for Texas Tech, Wyoming was the first thing I, I, I thought when I saw that. But there's a lot um, interesting here. Colorado, this is not Big 12 related, but Colorado's first two games are the big noon kickoff which I'll talk about in the top five later, but if you don't get to stick around for that, I do think it's interesting that Fox and the everybody is you know going to try to buy early on Deion Sanders before whatever happens with Colorado's roster happens because it's very likely that they have an average at best season given that there are, you know, 50-some-odd transfers, and it's the first year in a Power 5 conference. But that first two games at uh, Colorado Big Noon, TCU and then Nebraska the next week are both uh, the Big Noon kickoff on Fox. All right. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, we'd have to, like, I don't have, like, some great, you know, big thoughts on, you know, the channels that are on or anything like that. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to look at. It's interesting to, to see, uh, you know, just how it all lines up originally. And, you know, on the Colorado point, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if people get Dion fatigue or if they already started to get that a little bit, you know, um, because he, we have heard so much about him and, and he hasn't coached a game, um, you know, at Colorado just yet. So depending on how those outcomes go, I think that's where the direction of the coverage probably goes. Like they'll Like Colorado will be a story all year no matter what, but if he, like, you know, goes one and one or two and zero, oh, which would be shocking in, in some ways. If you know he would have beat TCU, in my opinion, uh, that would obviously be massive for that program, and we would never hear the end of it. You know, until like they went on a four-game losing streak or something. But yeah, I mean, he's going to have the world in his palms at the start of the year, and depending on how they play, you know, they might get even more attention as it goes along. So that's a that's a big spotlight, but. Not surprising. Uh, TCU Colorado's a much more interesting game than it was last year when it was a god awful game, from what I remember. I mean, TCU didn't look very good in that game. Colorado clearly wasn't very good. You never would have suspected, uh, based on just the, the parts of it that I remember watching, that like TCU's about to go on a run and win a title, or you know, win a you know potentially a Big Twelve title and play for a national title. Um, but you know, teams get better as the season goes along. Their quarterback switched up because of the injury, and uh, Colorado never really changed much. They were just they were just bad, which is why Dion Wiz where he is. But Nebraska will be interesting. So yeah, that that Colorado part of it is is intriguing. But uh, yeah, a lot to unpack just channels and times wise. Week two, there are some very juicy matchups, and starting on Saturday, Utah at Baylor, eleven a.m. on ESPN. It's on ESPN. I've seen some chatter, people upset with the kick times. I'm tired of worrying about kick times. It it's just it is what it is. The networks make their decisions. That's where it is. Then, of course, Iowa, Iowa State. That game's on Fox Sports at two thirty. Oregon, Texas Tech, a night game on Fox Sports. Texas at Alabama, a night game on ESPN that same night. USF and Boise State's a good one. That's UCF. Uh, UCF, excuse me. Uh, F, F, excuse me, UCF. Uh, at FS1, that game at night. Oklahoma State at Arizona State with their new head coach. A 9.30 kick on FS1, SMU, Oklahoma. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. That week will tell you a lot about many of the teams in those games, but also kind of give an idea about what's happening within the Big 12 if they can win some of those head and not some, but win a lot of those head-to-heads will be of interest to me. Yeah, I think to go back to week one first, um, West Virginia-Penn State will obviously be a big game. You know, it's a big opportunity for Neil Brown. I know there's probably not a lot of faith in them doing anything, um, you know, victoriously, uh, but still that'll be, you know, an interesting tale uh, right out of the gates for the Mountaineers. Um you know, uh, UTSA Houston ought to be very interesting as well because UTSA is a good program, and we don't quite know what to expect of Houston. So just wanted to mention that as well from uh, week number one. I think those are just a couple of other games to keep an eye on. But uh, week two, yeah, I mean, can Iowa State finally beat Iowa? Um, you know, it's been hard to, to come by victories in that rivalry for the Cyclones. So, you know, they're very quiet this offseason in some ways, and I don't know if that's because they're building up to have a big rebound or – if they're just sort of, 
hovering where they have been. Uh, I don't know, but uh, that's a big opportunity for them. Although we saw them, you know, win last year, and then it didn't matter, you know, ultimately in the end. So can they can they kind of get something and and build off of it and start to beat Iowa on a regular basis, and then you know see what that does to the rest of their season. Oregon Tech is going to be fascinating uh, as well. Uh, Utah Baylor, as you mentioned, ought to be very interesting. We'll learn a lot about Baylor in that game. Um, you know, not sure. Uh, how excited you know people will be for that 11 a.m. because I've seen some of those early reactions as well. But like you said, like they kick the ball off when they do. You either want to go to the games or you don't. And yeah. you know, I, I I don't know where I, I saw it with Oklahoma fans for a long time. Like that's been out there for years as part of their their being and moaning about the Big 12 was all these 11 a.m. kickoffs. Even though the Big 12 isn't in you know control, like you're going to play on ESPN at 11. Every, you know that's that, that's not really their deal, but. That was somehow, you know, an axe to grind against the Big 12. Um, but, you know, they, they wanted them in that spot because they knew they were going to draw ratings. And if you don't want to be in that 11 a.m. spot, then win some games. It and, starts the momentum for the rest of the yeah, day if Oklahoma's got the people watching their games. Yeah. Right. I mean, so there was something to that. But I know it's not the most popular thing. Uh, but I have seen that crop up over the last year, it seems like, with Baylor fans for some reason, the 11 a.m. And I don't know if it was like that before and I just didn't notice it or no, if it's, it's just – it's, 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 it's been Has it always way. been like that? Yeah, no, it's, it's – it is – it's you have a juice game and I say that I've said that twice now Utah Baylor I don't care if they played at four o'clock in the morning right. to me but yeah no it's if it's 11 o'clock it's too early maybe too hot if it's 2 30 it's too hot if it's 6 6 30 uh, it might be the fact that uh, it's not so much still hot you know again in September or uh, I don't I don't I've never understood uh, it but again I'm not an alum and a donor so I it, it I go cover the damn game whenever the kickoff is okay in September in the in Texas there is not a time, 11, 2.30, or 6, where you're not going to be hot for at least a portion of that day. So that's just what Your you have to do. Your armpits will be wet. Yes, it's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I will say this. I think Utah Baylor of that weekend is the best one for 11 o'clock. Absolutely is the best one for 11 o'clock. Utah's the two-time Pac-12 champion. You know, Baylor is coming off um, you know, a 6-7 and seven season. So had Baylor been better last year, then maybe that game goes down a little bit, but, you know, they needed something for the 930 window. So okay, let's stop talking about kick time. Right, please, so, yeah. God. It, it dry, and I, I know you guys want to, but I just get I, – I'm numb to it. I, I'm numb to it because, uh, well, that's why we're not – go go to the game, enjoy the game. I mean, game. I wasn't really trying to make no, it about I'm not, that. You I'm just saying I, that, like, it's just something I've noticed more and more. So, anyways, um, yeah, that uh, Texas-Bama is obviously a huge game. UCF-Boise State, Oak State, Arizona State, SMU-Oklahoma – Cincy Pitt, I mean, that's, that's going to be a huge weekend. Week three of the schedule. Now, there's, uh, there are some games that if you get down in the schedule, go down to the one between Pittsburgh at West Virginia. We know all about that rivalry. ABC, uh, 630 kick. Brigham Young, I like this one at Arkansas. ESPN, two and at the same time. TCU and Houston in a Big 12 game will be at 7 o'clock on Fox. And then uh, that is those are the three main games. Wyoming plays... Texas Tech to open the year. Two weeks later, they're on the road against Texas. That game will be on the Longhorn Network. So I, there's, some, there's some measuring stick games in the first three weeks of the season based on the times, the schedule, and, of course, the matchups. Hey, the 11 o'clock game uh, on SEC Network is K-State at Mizzou. And I'm sure, uh, I mean, old-school Big 12 fans are looking forward to that one. Not, you know, Graham will have to tell us how good Mizzou's going to be. Uh Probably not the one they, they want week three, but should be a fun one, uh, at least old-time old rivalry-wise. So those are the scores, the, the games, excuse me, the kickoff times, and much more. So 
I walked in the studio and there's times that maybe a story or two that may have slipped through the cracks. And this one from Brett McMurphy. Paul brought this one up to me. Longtime Pac-12 Bowl partner, the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, suing the conference, the Pac-12 and UCLA, for more than $3 million in damages after the game. UCLA refused to play hours before kickoff. That was the year uh, 2021 versus North Carolina State. Uh, this is the Action Network HQ learned. Also, Holiday has third longest tie-in among all the Pac-12 bowls. All right, is this just uh, – what are they trying to do here, Paul? Well, Craig, what are they doing here? The, uh, the Pac-12 was mad because the Holiday Bowl didn't pay everything out and the – but the Hollywood Bowl didn't want to pay everything out because they didn't get to have their game. So now you have, you know, these two entities going at it. And it's just, I don't think it's probably ultimately, it, Brett McMurphy, if you go to the Ashton Network and read the full story, it's really interesting. He's got the whole timeline of events of how that's kind of gone back and forth and back and forth between it and how it all shook out and how the Holiday Bowl feels that UCLA kind of violated their their agreement, even with the, the COVID uh, situation that they had. Um, but uh, again, it's the number, it's just another bad look for the Pac-12 right now. And it may not be that big of a deal in that, you know, this will probably get settled eventually. But one of those things that kind of shows where, you know, the conference leadership was uh, and what was kind of going on and how chaotic it's been the last couple of years and that, um, you know, you've got another lawsuit you have to Was with. UCLA the only team that backed out of a bowl game that year? I think it was within the win- – I think it's the window they're mad You about. know, Gonzaga, Baylor, remember in men's basketball, 21. Uh, hell, that was an hour before tip-off. We were doing a high school game, right? And that thing – changed quickly so i don't know i'm not sure how many other games were like that i know baylor and houston and football of course had a a a late decision on a friday afternoon when they were supposed to play what was a game that was made up making up a game to make up for a missed game and that did not work out yes slightly different than a bowl game though isn't it i mean that was a a preseason game and i understand that houston traveled up here but they were hosting it at mclean stadium and it was in the middle of covid so like everything was getting canceled left and right this is a bowl game where everything was set up to the afternoon of the game was supposed to be played and all of a sudden after some positive tests or whatever i guess ucla uh backed out and so they're to me, I, I haven't read the full Brett McMurphy deep dive, but Piers, it's just a lawsuit to try and recoup some money that you lost because you canceled a bowl game that a lot of people invested money into. If, so, in fact, they paid people out. I could, you could recoup money that you paid out if the game did not happen because the bottom line is whatever happens Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, up until a bowl game, if it's a Saturday, the bowl game is the one that makes the money because of ticket sales, right, and TV deal. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I just I assume that they're suing because they're trying to recoup some of what they lost because the game didn't go on as planned. So um, I don't view this as like, oh, what a mark against the Pac-12 or whatever. I, I didn't even cross my mind. I think it's more of a UCLA thing than a Pac-12 thing. I mean, it, they're the ones that didn't play in the bowl game. It's not as though, you know, the other conference members were sitting around them, like helping them make that choice. So, um, you know, you can add it to the pile of just – outside stuff that is probably annoying at this point and is just kind of piling on, um, you know, when it comes to the pack as, as far as just things that uh, are slightly embarrassing or whatever. But, uh, yeah, this is mostly a UCLA thing, so we will see. But 
I guess the PAC is involved in terms of they were part of the decision-making, and that's why they're included is because they had a say in the game going forward in that. So it is to connect to them, but it was ultimately UCLA not yep. playing in the game. Oakley, yeah. Barclo, Berkeley, is that what you're going to read? He said that, uh, by the way, the Holiday Bowl saying that UCLA had only three positive yeah. COVID tests in that in that setup, that lead-up to the game. will be interesting to see if they have proof of that or not. Yeah, and let's see. They uh, – San Jose State was contacted but hadn't played nearly 30 days and was unavailable to get them there. But it would have been, you know, in that next couple of days. And this is what Dave Doran's quote was. He's the NC State head coach afterwards. I felt lied to, to be honest. We felt like UCLA probably knew something was going on, didn't tell anybody on our side. We had no clue they were up against that. I don't feel like it was well, very well handled from their university. It would have been great to have a heads up. So two or three days ago, we could have found a plan B. Disappointing. I think that's what it is. It's about the timing and then sure. that they just decided. That apparently, it had to do with the defensive line. All three of those tests were along the defensive line, maybe. And there was a and, percentage of what you had to have available. Yeah. Roger Dodger. The fact that the Holiday Bowl is not worried about their relationship with UCLA or the Pac-12 is interesting. UCLA, of course, after this next season, will be a part of the Big Ten. So there's that story. Yeah, they may in never play it. They never, they, UCLA may never play in the thing again, no, I unless mean, the affiliations yeah, change. So. You could sue the Pac-12, which is interesting for something where UCLA at the time and still is a member of the conference, but the more people you sue, then there's a chance you're going to get a little bit more out of it if, in fact, it ever gets to that point. They'll probably settle something somehow out of court. Uh, UT commit Ron Holland, one of the elite players in the country. He decommitted, remember, a few weeks back. Thoughts that he might end up somewhere else in a college program. He is going to play in the G League, which is now an option for college players or high school players coming out of high school to college. If they don't go to college, they can do the G League. And Rob Howland is going to play in the G League and make a little money with that. Um, Barry Trammell will join us today. It was, what, at the end of last week when he came up with the nugget about the, uh, the note about Colorado and the Trammell scissors that he had heard from sources about Colorado and the Big 12. And then yesterday he was on with Benjamin Criddle. For the longest time, I was fairly optimistic the Pac-12 would remain intact. I thought there were too many reasons for those schools to stick together, make a go of it, and I was optimistic nothing was going to happen to them. But six to, month, six to eight months have passed. Pac-12 was no closer to a TV agreement, and we're 13 months away from the Pac-12 contract expiring. With some of those things I've heard from Big 12 sources, Colorado is number one on the list of schools to jump. I don't think anything is set yet, but I think something's going to happen. We have been discussing Colorado for five, six, seven weeks, but when Barry Trammell, among others, we saw that kind of blow up or not blow, flare up a little bit among some others last week and earlier this week. And so, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. I, I, I hear these deadlines, but de deadlines, you know, remember March, and there was April, then it was May, and then it may be July and August when it comes to the Pac-12. If it means they get a deal done, it doesn't matter when it's done as long as they don't have attrition prior to it and then there might be some attrition once any kind of a tv deal is announced if schools don't like what they see all right uh, today karen brodkin she's with endeavor uh, she and uh, also hillary mandel are very much involved in helping the big 12 when it came to their television extension brett your market in a lot of the credit he was a part of the group, the Big 12, that hired Endeavor. She'll join us today at 345, a little bit later on in today's hour, this first hour. From Adam, David, Paul, Craig, which G5 conference is the closest to becoming a P5 school? 
and would academics matter for autonomous five states? Which G5 conference is closest to being a, a, a that which just a conference overall there none there's one about i mean every year we're going through one that might fall out of it yeah i mean it might so, even go backwards yeah, or, I don't, or, or, I don't be, think, or be uh, uh what do you call it? riddled because they have people leaving yeah i mean no offense to the conferences nobody's moving like a whole conference isn't moving up to yeah he might P5 have meant power status. five not well the team. question he clearly meant something else because he said what conference is resulting in a school so yeah. one or the other was backwards. i think he meant what power yeah. what what group of five conference school yeah. may be closest to joining San Diego an autonomy State. five and San Diego State seems like they would lead the list. Yeah. Yeah, it's San Diego State. It's not even close. Um, they are the team that's probably no matter what happens with the pack moving forward, gonna be a part of that conference. I know the Big Twelve's shown interest. That's been widely reported as well. Um, SMU, I don't think the Big Twelve seems to have much interest there. Um, but the Pac twelve may. Um, or they do to some extent. We know they, they do to some extent. Tulane, you know, is another school that's been mentioned. Then you start getting into, like, Rice and stuff. And, like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I even crossed the line with SMU. All due respect. But, you know, I hear, like, all the reasons why. And, like, look, some of the reasons for why SMU makes sense are great and all that. But then when you start telling me, like, well, if we go into Houston with Rice, like, come on, dude. Like, I mean, you're already stretching it with Dallas and SMU to begin with. I'm sorry, but you are. Like, yes, it's technically territory. Um, but this idea of like, yes, you'd expand your footprint physically, but like, you know, television wise and monetarily and all that, I, I don't necessarily agree. Although I do understand why you think SMU can do that and why they could eventually do that for you as a member of the PAC 12. So that's understandable. Um, you know, Tulane, you want to stretch it to new Orleans. Like, okay, we can play with that idea and like i see where you're coming from that makes some sense um you know the big 12 kicked the tires on smu i don't know really what they thought about tulane but we know they have interest like i said in san diego state that one's pretty self-explanatory but then when i start seeing and i, I know some of it's just like random person talking expansion on twitter and or reddit or whatever and so it's not like everything's based in reality and, and hardcore fact. But when I see, well, we get Dallas with SMU and get New Orleans with Tulane and get Houston with Rice, and it's like, no. but you're not really getting that. And you're especially when you get to like Rice and Houston, like that is a sliver of a sliver of that that market um, based on growing up here for multiple decades now. Um, you know, but SMU, I could see you squeezing some more out of that. But, yeah, San Diego State's the clear, far and away answer to to the question there. What, what does San Diego State have in common with the schools that went to the Big 12? San Diego State has made an infrastructure investment to get to the Power 5 if they can, if that opportunity is there. Uh, why is Memphis not in right now? Because they have they had yet to make that infrastructure investment in the things they needed to do before the Big 12 came calling. UCF did that in a, in a way that, that maybe nobody else did. Um, Cincinnati was, you know, um, was already a, a, a power five school, and then they weren't because of the way that the conferences shook out when the last massive wave of realignment hit, hit the college football world. BYU was a power five school just independent for a long time based on the resources and the things that they do. Uh, and then Houston also made that um, – investment in infrastructure and they were you know they did have some history in, in a power conference back when they were an SWC team 30 plus years ago so they had some wherewithal on how to do it so but Rice 
you know, in places like that have not. SMU has started to, that's for sure. Their stadium's really nice, the Ford Field. Uh, they, they certainly have a lot of money that can back that program, and they're in Dallas. But let's not pretend that they're on the same uh, line in that trajectory that UCF would be, just for a one-to-one comparison. Yeah, I think you're hoping that they're the next Baylor or they're the next, you know, TCU, um, as far as going, you know, and making an impact similar to what those two have been able to make because – you know, at one point in time, SMU was a bigger, better school than those two, right? I mean, football-wise and all that, I mean, SMU was above Baylor for sure. Uh, up until probably the last, you know, what, 20 years? Because Baylor wasn't very good in the oh. 90s either. So I'd say, it's, you know, mid-2000s or whatever, 2010 on, uh, Baylor's, you know, eclipsed them. TCU's clearly run away, even though that's, you know, still a hot rivalry and, you know, both sides hate each other. There's still some some disdain there, but it's not like it's some big nationally known, you know, big hot rivalry. So the hope is you can grab SMU and they can follow that same trajectory, hopefully, that those two did, especially in a game where now you can pay to play. And that's when SMU was last. It's most relevant was when they did that. Um, it got them in trouble because the rules were different, obviously, and that's why they went on that huge descent that they did. Um, but now it seems like they're ready to, you know, to pony up once again, no pun intended, and and uh, and go hard. And so, you know, that's appealing, I'm sure, to, to a, a conference like the Pac-12. I think what's sad, though, is uh, Boise State just doesn't even get the, the thought that they used to or, or the mention that they used to. Uh, that's a team that you, you didn't mention or that I didn't mention that uh, came to mind while you were talking. Uh, they seem like a logical choice to be one of those teams to make the move at some point, but it just doesn't seem to be in the cards for them right now. There's just not a really – you know, momentum or the numbers or whatever you want to call it. So uh, whoever the pack's looking at, that's your best bet to to make that jump up if you don't want to count like a Gonzaga in basketball. Uh, but football-wise, yeah, it's SMU, Tulane, somebody like that. 326 is the time in the studio today. We have Jack and Emery. We have Graham and also Levi Garrett Ross as well. We are 365 Sports. We appreciate the constant energy that we see in the chat room and on the text line if you would like it is 254-339-1122 if you'd like to give us a comment or two about something that's on your mind karen brodkin again endeavor will join us in about 20 minutes this is from a couple of texts i don't read the second one it's very lengthy but it's about usf but the first one it is baseball jersey night baylor alums fans or whoever at the Rangers game coming up on Friday. That's June the 2nd in two days. And then also from the 281 on the USF, the proposal of the stadium, he goes, I can assure you that no $350 million stadium will ever be built as far as USF. They couldn't even play football until the 90s. First president of USF in the early 50s said there would be no football. Harvard, they wanted it to be Harvard of the South. He went on and on and on. It's from the 281. He's a Texas Tech fan. But he said, so no one will pony up $350 million for a USF stadium. Don't have that, uh, they don't have that level of support. I attended USF, graduated 79. There was no football team. UCF did not exist at the time. UCF got a team before USF did do uh, Orlando having enthusiasm. So it's a, a very anti, not anti, but just kind of saying, hey, tap the brakes on the story about a new stadium in Tampa. And I, I don't mean this as a dig at, at USF at all, but if the plan in 1950 was the Harvard of the South, they veered in a completely different direction. I mean, that's a big, gigantic, it was a commuter school. Uh, when I lived there, it's, it's certainly grown to be more than that uh, now, but yeah, that, that, that's kind of weird to hear somebody in 1950 say this is our goal is to be Ivy League-esque, and then they're not, and they're not even, that's not 
what you'd even say if you walked onto that campus at all right now. Oh, my brother Robert went there yeah. uh, when he was going in college back in the early 80s. He went to, to USF. Uh, there was a story, Paxton brought this up about Memphis, unveils a $684 million plan to renovate sports stadiums and also build even an FC home, uh, newly renovated FedEx Forum, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. We've heard about Simmons uh, Bank Liberty Stadium being renovated, uh, new N uh, AutoZone Park, also the, the 901 FC. So the city of Memphis looking, looking to invest big money into its local sports teams. Of course, we've discussed Memphis quite a bit now for the last couple of years since the Texas OU story popped in July of 2021. Yeah, and Memphis' downtown is really cool because the stadiums are all close to, to one another. Uh, you can, if you're sitting at the right hotel, you can kind of see them all uh, from everywhere. A couple years ago on the way back from Nashville, uh, a man and I stayed at the Peabody, uh, which is the, the kind of famous hotel there in, in Memphis. And the, the baseball stadiums, they really don't need to do much to that. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a fantastic park uh, there that the, the Memphis Redbirds play in. And yeah, it was, it was really nice. So if they can make everything else look kind of like that that'd be great and that'd be great for any conference to add them uh, i just don't know if they can get that done in time enough to to be a viable member of a, a power five expansion um because of of how fast this is moving yeah i mean i, I wonder if this is the last set of uh, teams jumping up for a while i mean i know it all keeps going the expansion piece of it all and everything but uh it does seem like if you're one of those i guess it, it depends on who you're talking to if you're talking to people who believe it's you know super league on the way contractions inevitable that type of thing then uh it's probably too late for a memphis to, to jump into the into the deep end uh they might have missed their opportunity um still i mean it'd be great to have you know nicer facilities and upgrades and all those types of things you still want to keep moving forward and that'll be great no matter where they find themselves playing um, but depending on what happens over these next few years you do wonder if they'll look back and be like man if we had done that about five years earlier yep. uh maybe we're in a much different place and that's something that you know will depend on how things go from here on out. Um, that's certainly a possibility, though, and, and they know that because that was a big topic of the last go-around was Memphis folks are like, what are you talking about? Like, we don't even really hear ourselves being involved in realignments. The Big 12's talking about you. They're talking to you and about you, um, and ultimately they decided there were four teams that they liked, you know, and wanted to invite over you, um, but there wasn't, like, absolutely nothing there. Or maybe four teams that were more prepared and ready at the prepared. time when there yeah. was the offer. And yeah. so, you know, we'll see. Uh, maybe they, they do find a spot in the Big 12 one day because Brett Yormark brings this bad boy to, like, 24 teams or something. I mean, who the heck really knows at this point? But, uh, yeah, interesting to know they're getting to work, and you just wonder if it's a little too little too late. As far as USF, like, I don't, I don't know enough about their – their operations to know, you know, the likelihood of the stadium and, and all of that. I'll take the word of somebody who knows the lay of the land a bit better, but that's the same scenario of, you know, you look up depending on how things go and they might, if they do have some, you know, shiny new facilities, um, you know, maybe it was just a little bit too little too late. We'll, we'll have to see on that. All right. Uh, again, Karen Brodkin of uh, Endeavor will join us at 345. Let's take a break right here. Come back with more 365 sports. We'll take you up tonight until six o'clock. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash 365 and get on your way to being your best self. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. 
Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone else. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 365 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 365. BetterHelp.com. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Aaron Duvall, owner of Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business? We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the, in the beef business, uh, the, the ranching business, and we've specifically got into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House and uh, sell directly to the public. Aaron, everyone yeah. knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type profession? We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's, uh, it's such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have, uh, you know, a good animal every now and then, but Wagyu produces really consistently good beef every time. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC see an equal housing lender. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
It's the Memorial Day sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco, and these deals couldn't be any hotter. Shop the greatest selection of brand new inventory in Central Texas, and now get 10% off MSRP on 2023 Ram 1500 Crew Cab Lone Stars and Laramies. That's right, or 2.9% for 72 months. The choice is yours. Shop our huge selection of new inventory today or browse online. Hurry in to the Memorial Day sales event going on now at Allen Samuels in Waco. Offer ends May 31st. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. There's a chat room is fired up over a lot of things we discussed, even new. But one of the things that was discussed about like, for example, this is just a random comment. Well, not random, about the number of national titles that Stanford has. Like, more than anybody else, 130-something, whatever it might be. Um, and do you, and, and this is not just making up a topic, because do you, I, I can't imagine an athletic department as successful as they have been. Now, the football team has been average at best recently. David Shaw's gone. Can they be someone that might be of interest to the Big Ten or somebody else if, in fact, the Pac-12 no longer is who they are right now? I, I think so. I think the biggest thing that they have to decide, though, is are you in football going to be Northwestern or are you going to be are, are you going to be what Stanford used to be? You know, and Northwestern is good every so often and, you know, they, they you have that. But if you move conferences or even if you stay and the Pac-12 stays relatively what it is, you know, this is a new era, and that's why adding a school like Rice to a conference doesn't make as much sense because you've got, and it's these really high academic institutions that can only recruit a certain number type of player. They can only, they can't, Stanford can't change their, you know, to help a kid out, and uh, they can't do what Nebraska did, you know, with the gray shirts in the in, back in the day. Or the Prop 48. Yeah, they don't, they, they're not going there. They, no. they can't do that. No. So Which prob- doesn't exist anymore. The problem is, is that they, they only can travel on one highway to get their players for the big-time sports. And so when you do that, two or three guys can make the difference of you being a team that is contending for a, a, a a conference title or you're just kind of stuck and with nil being there and look stanford has more money than anybody can even realize but it's a lot in a lot of different places with that gigantic endowment so the next andrew luck while he may love the opportunity to go to stanford and get a, an education that's second to none but if alabama can pay him a million dollars then you know, what, what's that going to be? And once, and it's better for the NFL, then that's where Stanford has to live. They have to kind of decide who they're going to be in the minor context. I mean, endowment's great. Endowment can't be used for NIL. Though. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. Like, I mean, so, you know, I hear endowment. But they have donors around. that give to that endowment. I get, so, yeah. but they're not giving it yeah. to, to go pay the players. Yeah. You know, like, so if they can find people that want to do that, then that would improve. Stanford can do whatever they want to. Mm-hmm. If Stanford called up the Big Ten today, I think the Big Ten would find a way to invite Stanford to the, to the conference. I think that they would find a way to do that. Now, maybe not because, you know, if they were going to do that, why didn't they do that the first time around? Then I get that. But I feel like that's just an institution that, like, give me the the red X next to their name that they don't have. I mean, location in the Bay Area, historic academics, if you want to throw that in there as a thing, 
good in every sport at different times. You know, maybe not all at the same time. Like you said, football's been a bit down. But, like, I feel like that's a school. If they ever said, like, no, we're going to play in the deep end and we want to be all in like everybody else, but we're going to do it the Stanford way, I feel like anybody would embrace them with open arms. Um, I just don't know that they've made that declaration or shown that interest. Now, maybe they have behind the scenes, but to me they seem like an institution that's set on who they are right now and not necessarily wanting to be Texas or Ohio State or you know LSU in college football. They want to be Stanford University and – you know, if those things don't line up with, you know, being highly successful in the NIL era of college football or college athletics, I should say, then I think that they're okay with that. The moment that they're not, I, I suppose that make that interest known that they want to play like everybody else, then I think that, uh, yeah, you'd welcome them in with the front door wide open and, and have the keys, you know, ready to go. But um, I don't know where they kind of sit because they've just sort of been in the background of this entire, you know, saga. St. Dominic saying uh, Rosary Stanford makes absolutely no sense financially for the Big, Tw- uh, Big Ten. I'm going to say this for the umpteenth time. The Big Ten only wants Notre Dame. That's the only team left out there that makes financial sense and St. Dominic's Rosary, we appreciate your opinion. I yeah, have always value, been incredibly, yeah. incredibly impressed with Stanford. Yes, the football has been down, but I, 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 I think what they do is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about adding value, then yeah, I agree with you. It's like the Oregon and Washington thing. But I think they could call up uh, somebody else outside of the Big Ten and say, hey, we'd like to go there. And I think that they'd be you know, wide open uh, with their arms. Maybe the SEC wouldn't for the same reason that you mentioned, but I think everybody else would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're their own unique, uh, situation in so many ways. And I don't know what their valuation is, but they seem like they would be as much of a fit for the big 10 as, as anybody else would. But there is, as you rightfully point out the value part of it, which we don't know really what the minds are of those in charge and what the future looks like of, of how important that will be. Uh, to you know, upcoming decisions in, in in terms of a school like that. Really appreciate a lot of the questions, the opinions, and feedback in the chat room today. We appreciate all of you for being there. We're now joined by Karen Brodkin, uh, Brodkin, excuse me, Executive Vice President, Content and Strategy Development Endeavor, co-head WME Sports. Karen, it's a, it's great to have you on our show, Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. We appreciate your time today. So when the Big Twelve contacted you. Uh, Hillary and Endeavor about representing them. What was that conversation like? And, and in the end, how quickly was that? I guess uh, let's do it. Uh, well, hi guys. Hello. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm calling in from Los Angeles. I would say sunny Los Angeles, but it isn't, so I won't lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so what was that call like? Well, I would tell you it was like the movie Fast and Furious. It really was. Um, Commissioner Yormark called us. Um, we, we knew him. I knew him previously from his former roles, especially his role with um, Brooklyn Sports Entertainment and the Nets. And he basically says, guys, I, I, I need you. I, I need you to lean in with me here. We're going to be moving fast. I'm jumping on board. I got a million ideas. And number one on my hit parade is I really want to shore up our media deals. And, um, you know, there was no pause on the call. Hillary and I jumped in immediately alongside our boss, uh, Endeavor President Mark Shapiro, who's also known Brett for some time. Um, we know him. We know his personality. We know how dynamic he is. And, and he sleeps you know, 
small number of hours each night. So we were going to be on the clock. Um, but it was, you know, there was no hesitation. We were excited. We were thrilled. Um, I've personally um, worked with the Big 12 for a number of years. I, I spent almost 16 years at Fox Sports. Um, all, that whole time, the Big 12 was a partner of Fox's. So I was personally particularly excited to get back into business with the conference. Karen, in the modern context of college athletics, when it came to selling or reselling or re-upping the Big 12 to the media partners, with realignment and everything that happened, what were the unique challenges and then opportunities that maybe nobody had seen yet when you started doing the, the new deal? Sure. I mean, listen, there, I, I've, told, I've said to people a bunch of times since we closed the deals that these you know, these deals were incredibly complicated. Um, we had to move quickly. We um, had new members coming in. So we needed to sort of from a advocacy standpoint, really think about how to integrate them in to the conversation. We had to do a lot of very quick analysis, viewership, ratings, time zones. Um, and we couldn't go to market. I mean, I think that's been pretty well reported that in order to get these deals done um, in the time frame that the commissioner really wanted them done, and frankly, the membership expected, we, you know, we would have had to sit and wait to actually take our rights to market. So we had to get deals done with the current incumbent partners and kind of meet their needs. Um, neither of them wanted exactly what they had. So we needed to architect sort of a new structured relationship with each of them. And they each had agreed to what the other wanted, right? And we were moving quickly. Because I will say one thing that we knew um, from the get-go was while this may not be a zero-sum game, timing was of the essence. And we really wanted to get the deals done in the last calendar year, we were aware that macroeconomic challenges were potentially coming. Um, and as you guys probably know, because it's been well reported, the media companies are all having sort of their challenges given these macroeconomic circumstances. You layer in now, we're in a writer's strike mm -hmm. um, in the entertainment industry. So we knew that speed was important and time was of the essence. So we need to get deals done. We needed to reconstruct the deals. We had new membership coming in. The Texas and Oklahoma departure on the timing side was not yet resolved. So there was a lot of fluidity. Um, and you can imagine that made it complicated. It made it strategic and you layer in the speed factor. And um, I would tell you there for a couple of months, nobody was getting a lot of sleep. <laughs> Karen, uh, you guys, as, as a company, have your hands in, in a lot of different you know, pots across the, the landscape of entertainment, sports, and all of that, uh, and just continued to, to grow and grow and grow. We've heard Brett Yormark talk a, a lot about you know, maximizing college athletics and the value and hidden value and things like that. How interesting of a time do you think it is for college sports and the way you guys view it and the potential values out there that we see and, and maybe don't see just yet? Just What are we kind of talking about, you think, with college football, college athletics as a whole, and, and its value moving forward? Um, well, I love that question. We, we love college athletics. 
over here at Endeavor WME Sports. I mean, I would tell you, I wear multiple hats in addition to the media advisory and strategy side. I, I co-run our sports agency. And for us, the opportunity over the last nearly two years to represent student athletes, both men and women, during their collegiate careers has been really exciting for us. And we've leaned to, into it across football, men's and women's basketball, golf, um, Olympic sports, and we have really enjoyed sort of getting into that space in terms of the student-athlete representation side. We would tell you that we think the sky's the limit in, in the value of collegiate sports, both on the media side, the brand and sponsorship side, um, the event side, how do you create great larger events around football and basketball. We think basketball, um, men's and women's, continues to be undervalued. And speaking specifically about the Big 12, I don't think there – I shouldn't say I don't think. I know there is not another conference that has top to bottom the level of basketball that the Big 12 has. So we are big believers in the growth – um, coming in the basketball space. And, you know, there was just an article published today about ESPN's position in women's sports. We know that women's athletics to date is undervalued. And we expect to see a real uptick across women's basketball, soccer, volleyball, gymnastics in the years to come. So we're leaning, you know, as a company, as an agency, we are leaning in very, very heavily. We've done work for the WNBA. We're representing the NWSL right now. We're working with the NCAA as they move towards their championship package negotiations later this year. So I would tell you, not just Hillary and myself, although it's convenient to say that you know, we're the only two women, I think, that are running a media advisory business across the United States. But our company as a whole, led by Mark Shapiro and and Ari Emanuel and Patrick Weitzel on the board, are incredibly invested in both collegiate sports and women's sports, whether that's on the collegiate side or the pro side. So, we're, you know, we're a buyer. I would tell you, we're, we're buying on collegiate sports. We have had former media executives, Bob Thompson, uh, Patrick Crakes. We've had Jim Williams on this show to kind of give us, you know, their insight of what they used to do and what may be going on with all this stuff about realignment and conference media deals. Bob Thompson sent me a text before you came on. Karen Brodkin worked for me for a number of years and is one of the best Worked with Hillary a lot of years on deals as well. They also advised the Big Ten on their deals. So this is not just what you've done for the Pac-12 or the Big excuse me, the Big Twelve, but many others. What does that mean when someone like Bob Thompson says what he says about you? Well, I'm starting to tear up a little because I, first of all, I adore Bob, and he's right. I did work for him. Um, uh, for a number of years at Fox Sports. He is one of my absolute favorite people in the business. I just saw him recently at an event in Los Angeles. Um, and it's really meaningful. I mean, we pride ourselves on what we do. We we live and breathe it. And our cli- we hope that our clients feel like we are not transactional, meaning we don't come in to just close a deal and move on. We really like to get embedded with our clients and be there for them, whatever they need. So I would tell you the Big Ten, we advise them, they continue to reach out to us 
on various matters all the time. We are always there for them. And on the Big 12, I would tell you, we have a very broad scope um, of work with the commissioner and his team that crosses well beyond media. It's, you know, content strategy, digital social strategy, analytics, event business, um, ticket pricing, music. Uh, I, I can't even keep track of all the things, to be honest, because the scope grows day to day. That's how we like to work. That's that's what we pride ourselves on. And when someone like Bob recognizes both my background and where I am today and where I'm trying to go with our business, with Hillary and our team, um, that makes it all worth it. You know, we work really hard. I say all the time to our team, I think every single day I walk out of my office exhausted and say, there are just easier ways, you know, <laughs> to make a living and pay your bills. There are, but they're not this fun. And frankly, they're just not this gratifying. In the, you know, there's a lot of people who say eventually there's just going to be the, the power to and the Big Ten and the SEC, but for a company like Endeavor and for someone like you that, that does all these media deals, do you see the landscape being better if the crop is a lot a lot more diverse and spread out throughout the country as opposed to being just, uh, you know, uh, a power two or some sort of college football super league? I do. Um, listen, uh, let me put my media hat back on, my old media hat on. I don't think any media partner, if they're asked an honest question, would say we, you know, we're only focused on one side of the country. Um, I think they want diversity of time zones. I think they want diversity of geography. I think the DM, the different DMA is matter, the cities, the, you know, the Pacific Northwest is different than the Southeast. Uh, most of that, I mean, the ones that are really national brokers in the collegiate space want that, that diversity. And you can define diversity a bunch of different ways. So, and I'm also just not a believer that it's, it's two and oh, right? It's, it's two power conferences and then a splattering of everything else. Because, I mean, to my point on the best, the best basketball being played in this country is not being played in those two conferences. And I don't see that changing anytime soon, especially not with the new four incoming members coming in this season, this coming season. Karen, what's it like to be known and called a power broker in the media deals and even – your influence when it comes to realignment talk? Well, I mean, I think it's a little hyperbolic, to be honest. I'm not, you know, I'm not making decisions about where members are going to play their games and what conference they're going to be affiliated at with. I'm really, I mean, that's not what we do. It, it truly isn't. We do analysis. We do strategy. We're not the decision makers. Um, we don't put ourselves out in that role. We are there to support our clients. Um, on the plus side, I'd like to think that we bring a lot of value. I'd like to think that we we provide a lot of support. And again, to my point on, we're just not purely transactional beings. We want to be there for the long haul. What we say to our athletes is exactly what we say to the Big 12 and Commissioner Yormark or any of our other clients. We want to be there at the beginning, the middle, and the end, right? Wherever you want to go, we want to be there to help you get there. And if that's, you know, the definition of a power broker, that I'll take. 
But to suggest, as I know it has been suggested, that somehow <laughs> Endeavor or Karen Broadkin is deciding the fate of any conference or any school, I mean, that's just, that's just not accurate. And though I haven't necessarily responded publicly to mm-hmm. any of those assertions, I'm here to tell you today that that is not a true statement. I think it's a compliment that people give you that much power uh, mm-hmm. that, that that they do. And, and Karen, one one thing no I... No one I, gives me that kind of power in my own home, <laughs> let me be clear. The 15-year-old that lives upstairs is the power broker in yeah. my house. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and, and she'll be, or he will, whoever it be, he or she is 16 years old, too. All right, so um, has Brett Yormark ever brought something up to you as a group, to you or others in the group, and you've gone, what the hell? That's not going to work. And then all of a sudden it makes sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, I respect him, you know, from top to bottom. I mean, he has the resume to say he is a marketing genius. He is a builder of brands. Um, he proved it at NASCAR. He proved it in Brooklyn. Um, so far be it from me, right, to doubt him. Now, I think if Brett were on this call, we would crack up because I question him all the time and I challenge him. <laughs> yep. I do. And I play devil's advocate. I always tell him that my job is to prepare him for the questions that could come, right? But I never doubt him. And there, I try to help him prioritize what I think, you know, the focus could be as he's trying to continually build and expand the Big 12 brand and the halo and the membership and the student athletes and the entertainment piece and the music. I try because I think like I like to I like help. I'm prioritizing what's on in front of me every day and what we can accomplish and timelines and, and things of that nature. But if you ask me if I ever doubt that he can achieve what he puts out there, I don't. I mean, I'd be crazy to doubt him. He's proved everybody wrong a hundred times. Karen Brodkin, Executive VP, Content Strategy and Development, Endeavor, co-head WME Sports. Paul, how uh, how big can you guys get this fast? Endeavor's just. I mean, I know that it was a big company before. Before it was William Morris, and then when it was IMG, and then on and on. But it feels like the last decade has been wildfire for you guys is that way from your perspective or is it just seem like that to outside when we see all the deals you guys have been making and, and, and acquiring different things well i mean i joined the company um eight years ago almost nine now and uh, the company has grown significantly when i joined the company the name of the company was wme img and and ultimately became endeavor as the parent company we didn't at that time when i joined we didn't yet own the UFC. We didn't yet own PBR. We didn't yet own On Location. Um, so a lot has happened in the time that I've been here. A lot of acquisition, a lot of change, a lot of development. Um, and that's obviously been incredibly exciting. How much bigger it can get, where it goes from here, that's all to be seen. I would tell you in my piece of the pie and endeavor that I focus my energies and efforts on, we've grown exponentially mm-hmm. with a lot of support from the senior management of this company. So WME Sports, I mean, when I got here, that didn't exist. And that's really not, you know, that business is just about four years old, including the years of the, the shutdown and the pandemic while we were building out 
an NFL representation business, an MBA business, a WNBA business, a MLB baseball business. Um, we had, t- you know, when I got here, we basically had tennis, golf, some broadcasting and some sports marketing. We now have all of that plus coaching, plus a bigger broadcasting business, a content business representing Peyton Manning's production company and LeBron James's production company and Kylian Mbappe's production company. So that business is grown by leaps and bounds. And then I w- I'm really proud to say that our media advisory business, especially in the United States, has grown significantly. And in partnering with Hillary, I'm I'm tremendously proud of the growth that we have today. And I, I have to tell you, we're, we have no intention of, of slowing down. Our team may want us to, um, and I think we need to just continue to grow our team before they, you know, march out the door and, and refuse to ever come back for, for fear of being worked to death. Um, but we, we love what we do, and we, um, we don't seem to have any shortage of clients who really need help and advice. And as you read what's going on in the regional sports network business, we're advising a lot of NBA teams right now. Um, We've closed an NBA team deal last month for the Phoenix Suns. We're on the precipice of closing another. So if if the work is there, we're going to, we're going to keep bringing it in. Karen, would you be surprised that the big 12 is far from over in their growth what they can do financially, what Brett Yormark, the ADs and presidents can come up with and do and do it in rapid fashion? Oh, I think they're far from done. They're far from I mean, we haven't even seen the new forum members come in yet and what the sort of new Big 12 is going to look like. But just what's been accomplished, I have to remind myself sometimes that it hasn't even been a year since we've been on board and since the commissioner's been on board and what's been achieved even in that year um, to me takes me back sometimes when I actually take audit of what's happened. So it's far from done that. I, I mean that I know just based on what we're working on right now with the commissioner. How much, and I know you got to go and we appreciate it and hope the sun does come out in L.A. How much <laughs> do you watch and monitor what's happening with other conferences, their media deals, and how much can that affect the Big 12? I mean, I, I would be disingenuous if I said we didn't monitor what was happening other places, but we monitor the entire media landscape. I mean, a lot of the work that we do for clients is landscaping right? Watching what's happening. So we're not just watching what's happening in college. We're watching what's happening with, you know, the NASCAR negotiations or the NBA negotiations, because it's very important to how we advise and strategize with our clients. So we're always keeping a mindful eye on that. So of course, we're we're watching and waiting to see what might happen, not only with the Pac-12, but down the line, you know, the Big East negotiations are going to be coming up in a couple of years. And that's relevant for others of our clients. Um, but we are largely focused on our own clients. We don't, we don't get distracted worrying about what others might or might not do. We can't, we have no control over that. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, I've said this before, like, we don't obsess over what others might do. We really try to keep our eye on our, the prize and those prizes are what lies in store for our clients. Karen, the Big 12 meetings are going on in West Virginia. As you know, the ADs, Brett Yormark, among others. Uh, do you see any needles moving anyway uh, this week at all among the conference when they're done? 
Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm here in cloudy Los Angeles, so I'm not. I can't break any news for you today. Um, I'm. We're getting. You know, we'll be getting an update when the meetings are over. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to call me back then? Although you'll probably know. I should probably call you. You might even know before me mm-hmm. the way the way the media works and the press works these days. Um, but. We'll see. I know that the commissioner has a big agenda. I do know that. Hey, Karen, we appreciate it. We know you're busy. Go home and get some sleep when you can. Uh, and look, when Endeavor gets into sports podcasts, you know, yeah, yeah you know where you can call. We first. will. We will uh, oh, I know where to find you all. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I gotcha. I Karen, gotcha. Karen, I know your schedule. You're uh, is incredibly busy. Appreciate your time. The people on the chat room love to hear what you were saying, uh, and and we appreciate. it. I hope to see you very soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Karen Brodkin, Executive VP at Denver. Uh, I Somebody on the chat room made this comment. I was going to bring it up to her, but I did not. But it was as if she is the Jerry Maguire of now. Yeah, the, the way that like she it. and Hillary Mandel, they, they juggle what they do. Both of them very much. And when Bob Thompson sent that text, and Bob, thank you so much, uh, obviously coming from him or anyone that's worked with her before, but they are, it's almost like they're the universe that keeps growing when it comes to what they do in many things, not just in, in college sports, but athletics in general, sports in general, and very much involved in women's sports too. Yeah, I, that was, I was very interested in that segment uh, just on a, you know, look, it's what we do and we follow uh, media stuff all the time, but to hear from someone who's such a mover and a shaker in all of that and... You know, if you're someone who on the other end of the line, like, hey, can you help me make a deal? And it's that big of a deal. I think it's it's really interesting to hear their perspective on where they see it moving forward and 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 what it's going to be. So I hope I hope everybody else enjoyed that as much as I did. I, I was I was really fascinated by that. Yeah, that was uh, really cool to hear from her and talk to her. Um, would definitely love to do that again sometime. We uh, will, you know, down the line. But uh, they are a juggernaut. They're only getting bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, to use all the cliches when it comes to to sports, but that's endeavor. I mean, they just bought the WWE, and people who watched for a while know I'm a I'm a wrestling fan way back. So that was uh, of interest to me to see them, you know, complete that deal, merge it with the UFC and the TKO is what it's now, I believe, going to go by. Um, and you know, they're on to the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, and. Uh, it's a powerhouse, and it's a good brand for the Big 12 to be involved with. I think it was brilliant for Brett Yormark to go, you know, sounds like almost immediately, like he knew right there early on in his tenure. We to need them. you, yeah. yeah. And with a plan and, like, hey, here's what we need to do, and we need to do it right now. And, like, she said at the very beginning, I mean, I mean, just think, you can say whatever you want to about whatever's going on right now, but just imagine if things stayed status quo and the Big 12 sat on his contract. Where would they be right now? What would the thought process they be? They right would now? be stuck in a deep, muddy, probably ditch with the tires you can't move. The entire on. narrative around yeah. the Pac twelve would be different. The entire narrative. Because they wouldn't be, you know, in this crunch for spots or whatever. So just tremendous foresight by your mark and his people. Uh, to identify that and to attack that early on and then to get it done, uh, most importantly. Uh, but, you know, they had a, a heavy hand in it as well. So, yeah, just a uh, lot to unpack and a lot to uh, to enjoy from that and uh, look forward to, to talking to her again sometime down the line, like I said.
Jason Shear on my Twitter timeline. Tell Karen I haven't received a check yet. In in reference <laughs> Me to either man, what's oh my get god some slogan out there? All right, when we come back, uh, thanks to Karen Brodkin. When we come back, we have more to get to, including Brandon Marcello, two four seven Sports, and the SEC meetings. Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman, in about twenty minutes. We need to get him out by five four or four forty. So that is next, and this is three sixty five Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on for the life of uh, your car. Uh, you're looking at trying to keep it in the best shape possible. Well, uh, they can do that for you. They can also give you great offers on both new and pre-owned vehicles as well. They are your one-stop shop. Whatever you're looking to take care of, Richard Carr is the people or are the people that you can count on, and they've been that way for a very long time. Right now, they're celebrating their 23rd anniversary, and they've got a lot of great deals going on. Right now, they've got the most advanced and luxurious pickup in its class. Step on up to the astonishingly advanced 1500 Sierra Crew Cab. Save 3500 on 1500 Sierra Crew Cabs right now at Richard Carr. Well-qualified buyers can also get 0.9% financing. No payments for 90 days on most new 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s in stock C dealer and the good folks over at Richard Carr for more details they've also got the ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by JD Powers with the Buick line up of SUVs luxury SUVs without the luxury price experience the quiet escape and premium drive of a Buick on a test drive today at Richard Carr right now you can save 3000 on 2023 Buick Enclaves and well qualified qualified buyers can get 2.9% financing no payments for 90 days and I know it's throwing a lot of notes at you percentages and money figures they can clear all that up and and fill you in on all of the missing blanks that you may have when it comes to questions that you have uh, because they have tremendous customer service to go along with the great deals that I mentioned and uh, with that customer service that means taking care of your vehicle if you're not looking to buy new you're not looking at one of those new GMC Sierras or the lineup of Buick SUVs you've got your car and you just want to drive it a little while longer their award-winning service department is standing by to keep you on the road. Go to the website, richardcar.com, and there you can also see their service specials and set an appointment for quick and reliable repair. They've got a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks, many of those under 20000 So no matter what you're trying to do, uh, you can get that done with your automobile over at Richard Carr. In business for over 20 years, they built a reputation as the people you can count on, run by proud Central Texans. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. We Baylor, where lights shine bright. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year, whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive-through window, an excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street behind the bank. You want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy, and, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. (laughs) Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Brandon Marcello, 247 Sports, joins us. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, David Smoke, 365 Sports. Brandon, thanks for your time. So I've seen a couple of different notes, not a lot, but I've seen where it does appear as as if the SEC might not make any decisions or make a decision not to make a decision on the scheduling. What is your thoughts uh, covering the conference of what you think they will do or what they should do? Thanks for your time, too. Yeah, no problem. Uh, what the hell are they waiting on? That's my question. I mean, they've, they've been discussing this for over a year, and here we are on the eve of them potentially holding a vote among the athletic directors, and they're going, we don't have enough information. I, I, I don't yeah. – the, the idea that they don't have enough information on the what the twelve team college football playoff and what they're going to how they're going to weigh strength of schedule and all that they've had a year to discuss this and if they don't have enough information after that year 
then that means that they're waiting for the college football playoff to actually expand and to be played because at that point, that's when you get the actual tangible evidence. There's only so much you could provide beforehand. So the only, what are you really waiting on? It sounds to me like they're waiting on the playoff to actually be played with 12 teams, but that's the excuse right now. I think really the root of all this, and they won't say it, it, it's the money. ESPN is yet to commit to how much money they're going to pay for this extra inventory because of the financial marketplace right now. Media companies are struggling. Streamers are hemorrhaging money. And they're not ready to really commit to how much more they're willing to pay for that extra inventory. And so I, I think they're going to kick the can down the road based off the conversations that I've had right now. This is the most likely <clears throat> reason. And they're going to kick the can down the road. And for a year or two, they're going to stick with an eight-game model with uh, you know the, the one permanent opponent and seven rotating with no divisions. And then, then a year from now or maybe two years from now, They'll sit back down and decide whether to actually go to a nine-game model. Um, but that's where they're at right now, and it's so it's kind of silly to me that this is the main talking point at their spring meetings, and then they're actually acting like that. You know, they're you know we might have a vote, we might not. When in fact, it just sounds like they never really were going to actually vote on this. Greg Sankey seemed like he really wanted it to happen, and that he was leaning towards the nine game format because everybody else is going to do nine really. And, and that's more inventory to sell later on in the next deal. I, I would seem to think that the positives on this outweigh the negatives for the sec who controls their own narrative anyway, all the time, better than anybody, maybe even in sports. Yeah. It just, again, a lot of this just doesn't make sense. The arguments against the nine game model, for the SEC, they're going to go to nine games because there's more money to it, and the SEC wants to have better competition. And the better way to get better competition is for them to actually play against each other. And Greg Sankey has said that it's proven, even in baseball, they look at the baseball model for them in the SEC, that by playing more games against each other, it rises the strength of it raises the strength of schedule among all those teams. They get more teams into the NCAA tournament come baseball time. And they perform better in the NCAA tournament and going to the College World Series. And that's the same thing that's probably going to happen with college football with the SEC going to a nine-game schedule. I, them adding one game is not going to suddenly just, like, cripple the SEC and where they're just walking around on one leg. I just don't understand where some people sit there and think, well, we're going to play one more game. And you know what? That means we're not going to get three teams in the 12-team playoff. Only means we're going to get two. No, in fact, you're probably going to increase your chances. Because in my world, where is I think is reality, I look at it like this. The Pac-12, say they stick with a nine-game schedule in the Pac-12. The SEC, let's say they stick with this eight-game model with a 12-team playoff starting up. No way in heck would a nine-and-three SEC team with an eight-game model like that get into the 12-team playoff. The Pac-12 would have a stronger case for that. Now, what if, all right, what if there is an SEC team that is nine and three and there is a Pac 12 team that is 10 and two, but that 10 and two team we know is weaker than that nine and three SEC team? We see it with our own eyes. We believe it. Everybody's saying it. But the college football playoff committee or whatever sits there and goes, well, Pac 12 plays nine games in their conference. The SEC only plays eight. 
who wins out in that situation? If you flip it and there was nine game model in the SEC, that SEC team, the nine and three, I guarantee you would get in over that 10 and two Pac 12 team. So again, I, I don't know. Maybe am I taking crazy pills? Am I the no. crazy one here? I don't, no. I don't know. That's I think, how I, I see it, guys. I think we've been saying that for quite some time. Uh, Brandon Marcello, two four seven Sports, with us, Craig. No, yeah, Bernie, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it makes no sense outside of the the money part that you mentioned, and that's the only thing that that really makes this seem like a thing that you know needs to still iron out some details if you're worried about the money part but all the rest of it I mean you laid it out it 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 doesn't make any sense for them to not go to nine uh you mentioned though like that was a big talking point but there's obviously other things being talked about I saw you know Saban he's talking about unionizing and there's obviously going to be NIL discussion and, and all these other things what were maybe some other things that did stand out to you uh over the course of just hearing some of what was being talked about around Destin you know, they're talking a lot about field storming and court storming and how there's been issues with that in the SEC here in recent years. You guys remember the Tennessee-Alabama game this past season? Uh, some some safety concerns for Alabama players trying to get off the field. Um, and that's been uh, an issue in the SEC for the better part of this last decade. And they've been levying these financial penalties against teams upwards up to half a million dollars. But again, that's not going to stop the fans. They're going to be sitting in the stands going, oh, you're going to find the school. Well, that's no money on my pocket. I don't care. <laughs> so why not do it? And in fact, you have ADs at these SEC programs going, I'm framing the check that uh, we fill out to the SEC. In fact, I had an AD at Auburn tell me that way back in 2013 when they, when they beat Alabama in the kick six game in the Iron Bowl. So, um, you know, some of the ideas have been heavier financial penalties, which maybe that would work. Hey, and even this has been thrown about losing a home game in the future. Can you imagine that? Them ripping heavy. an SEC home game away? Um, that would be drastic. And I doubt they put that on the, in the docket and they approve that. But again, I think it shows you just how serious they are in trying to protect the players or for that matter, protect the fans. And I, I'm very curious to see where they, they land on this because I'm not sure they'll approve any measures here this, this week. But what exactly are they going to do with all that? There could be some interesting penalty structures here for storming the field here in the future. Brandon, the Big 12 has played everybody within the conference. This year it changes because there's 14 teams with Texas OU for another year. But they've played nine conference games, I think, since 2012 or whatever the year when A&M and Missouri. And I saw yesterday in one of the articles I read about the scheduling, I don't know if you saw this, I'm sure you have, but that, well, that means someone might have to play five road games in the conference. Right. It's, it's every other year they would do that. Is, is that really a sticking point? Not really. I haven't really heard that being an issue for a lot of teams. Now, I was actually just talking to Chris Del Conte, the, the Texas AD, just a few minutes ago, as you guys called, and, you know, they're talking a lot about how, you know, they want those, those home games, and, of course, you know, they're going to continue playing OU in the, in the Cotton Bowl, but, um, you know, uh, they want to be able to play those home games. And I think it was going to be interesting to kind of divert a little bit to this. I asked Chris, I go, right, so is that first game you play against Texas A&M, is it going to be in College Station like everybody assumes and Ross Bjork believes? And he's like, well, I haven't heard that. <laughs> he's, waiting to, he's waiting to get his voice heard, too, to see what happens with that. But, no, uh, you know, Having that uneven schedule not an issue um, because you're gonna you're gonna get the flip side of it in the very next year. But it, it, it it's an issue and and it has been an issue obviously for 
OU and Texas, and for that matter, in the SEC, when you look at Florida and Georgia, because they also play in a neutral site. And uh, I, I, I'm fascinated to see why these teams continue to play neutral sites. I, I, I don't know why Florida and Georgia still do it. I understand why OU and Texas do it because it really is a tremendous tradition and a unique atmosphere. Florida, Georgia is a great game, but the atmosphere is not something that has to be protected. That should be a home and home series. Brandon Marcello, 247 Sports. What has it been like with both Texas and Oklahoma, as they should be, with representation? You mentioned Del Conte. We saw the flags outside of uh, the, the headquarters in Destin or in the hotel in Destin. What has it just been business as normal? Yeah, pretty much. You know, they can't uh, vote on anything here, but Chris says that I'm sitting in the room and, you know, whenever they like ask for hand raising or whatever, I make sure to keep my hand down because I'm not allowed to really voice that. But they, they get their opinions asked, uh, ask their opinions and they offer it. Uh, for example, this state nine game schedule thing, Texas and OU has voiced to them, we want nine games in a conference schedule. So they know where they stand on that. The issue is, is they can't vote. Uh, if they were to conduct, conduct a vote tomorrow and the ADs have their final meeting, which they're fine with, but it's got to be a little weird. And it's also got to be a little weird that, you know, obviously you got to leave the room on some things uh, in the Big 12 and you come to the SEC. And not to say you're comparing notes, but it's just, it's got to be a very strange time. And I'll say this, Chris Del Conte seems to be very, uh, very comfortable. He's the only AD I have seen here leave a meeting wearing shorts. <laughs> Right. It's Destin, well, baby. It's, it's, he's going to get an extra $25 million a year. He can afford them, and no matter what the brand well, and it's might Texas. be. It's you know. they, Texas. They're yeah. not afraid no, of anybody. No, no, they're not. Already comfortable. Yeah. Brandon, great stuff, well, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I, it's, uh, listen, I, I think Texas and OU are very, very happy with where they're at right now. In fact, Chris got asked about throwing their weight around like was always been the uh, – the rumors, when I say rumors, but the talk in the Big 12, he's like, yeah, I'm, I've never really heard that. Oh. Like, you know, yeah, I, I don't see where that's coming from. You know, I can't speak for before me or whatever. And he says he loves the he loves the energy in the room in the SEC. And I'll say this, uh, if Texas or you try to throw their weight around the SEC, they're going to get rebuffed and I think pushed down back in their seats because the SEC, as much as people want to criticize it or whatever, they do a pretty good job of keeping the, the voices on equal footing. It, it's amazing because that conference knows they're as strong as the weakest link. I've said this many times. They take care of Vanderbilt or Mississippi State as much as they take care of Alabama, Florida, Georgia, or anyone else. Brandon, thank you so much for your time. Great stuff. We appreciate the report with De from Destin. All right, gentlemen. Appreciate you. Brandon Marcello, good stuff. 247 Sports with us. We'll have Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman. He's going to join us in here in just a second. Craig, any follow-up on that? Uh, not really, no. I mean, uh, interesting to hear, you know, Del Conte's already uh, <laughs> comfortable, and that's not surprising. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that, um, you know, it's interesting just to see these, these seeds now starting to – you know, grow that were planted a year or two ago. You know, now here we are after all of the craziness that occurred uh, a couple summers ago. And, you know, it's gone from Brett Zornman breaking report to now Del Conte and, you know, Oklahoma contingents at, uh, at meetings in Destin. So time flies and, you know, next year they'll be full-fledged members and all right, so after another calendar year of, of sports, they'll be full-fledged members. It's going to be fascinating. Before Barry Trammell joins us, uh, Adam Flagler, Baylor guard, was eligible to come back for another year. 
Uh, Jeff Goodman, Flagler will stay in the NBA draft. This is pretty much what we have been told and what I think the Baylor staff expected. Now Jalen Bridges, of course, has a decision to make. Today is that deadline, so good luck to Adam Flagler. He gave his heart and soul and everything. Great kid, great young man to Baylor University. Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman, joins us on 365 Sports. Barry we have a, a site that we are under the umbrella. Sikkim365.com has been having a lot of discussion about Colorado for a long, long time. But when you mentioned it last week, it obviously caught some people's attention. And so you just think that it, it the, the delay in the media deal in the Pac-12 is just creating maybe a few cracks in the armor? Yeah, you know, I've been, you know, we've all been hearing Pac-12 trouble, Pac-12 not going to get a deal done. Somebody's coming to the Big 12. We've been hearing that for months. And for the most most of that time, I just didn't buy it. I mean, I thought it was possible, but I thought it was unlikely. I just thought Pac-12 teams, the, the remaining Pac-12, just had too much in common, too much incentive to not do this. You know, they, they got such a geographic divide. They got a, a strong history. I think they, I think they wanted to stick together, and I thought they could find enough television money to make it happen. But the longer it goes, and the closer we get to the end of the of the uh, current Pac-12 package, which is now 13 months away, the less optimistic I've been. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, someone in the Big 12 said Colorado's coming, and they're coming soon. And I thought, well, that's interesting, but I still not anything I feel like reporting. And then a few days later, we get some multiple reports from, oh, I guess it would have been uh, New York Post and CBS, I think, were the two outlets, reported that ESPN's washing its hands of major commitment to the SEC and that the Pac-12 package is sort of in turmoil but just because the money's going to be significantly less. And I thought, you know what? I, this makes me feel like it's all the opposite. I mean, I'm, I'm, now, I'm now sort of pessimistic that the Pac-12 can hold it all together. So I went ahead and reported that. I still don't think it's for certain, um, but I do think it's likely now that uh, at least Colorado and if the buffs come, I think others will follow. I think, I think it's likely now that Colorado is headed to the Big 12. Barry, this is a team that was the first actually to leave before Nebraska even uh, when all this went down. Obviously, they have a cultural fit there. Do you think outside of money and stability that this is a good move for them coming back or it, it, does it benefit the, the Big 12 as much as we may, may think on the outside? I actually think it's pretty much a 100% financial decision. Um, I think athletically, it's, it hasn't really affected Colorado any. You know, the Buffs had quit winning in football five years before they left. They went four, they won the Big 12 North four times in five years, you know, the last five years under Gary Barnett. But after Barnett left, after the 05 season, they had five straight dead years. And I think they were 12 and 28 their last five years in the Big 12 in football. Basketball never was much. In fact, they've been a little better in basketball in the Pac-12 than they were in the Big 12. And I don't even know what else they might have been doing in athletics. So um, 
I think this is, and culturally, I think they enjoyed the Pac-12. They were always more of a, uh, a Pac-12 culture, academically, politically, socially, all those things. They met. They had a lot more in common with Berkeley than they did Dallas, or uh, you know those kinds of things. So, I think all all things being equal, they'd rather be in the pack. But economically, it's just starting to make not much sense. So I think that's what's driving it. How will they do? Who knows? You know, it's a wild time in Boulder with Deion Sanders. Everybody's excited. I'm of the opinion that Deion's not going to be there very long. If it goes poorly, he's going to be out. If it goes well, he's going to be out. He's going to be the head coach at Florida or Auburn or someplace. So I don't know that anybody, Colorado or the Big 12, should bank a lot on Dion. But I do think economically it's, it's something they might have to do. Barry, you've seen all sorts of different sagas and chapters of, of realignment and change and all that. Um, just kind of a general question here. What do you make of, of where we are right now? I mean, not only with what's going on with the Big 12 or the Pac-12, but just in general with college athletics. I mean, is this unlike any t- time you've seen before, or is there or perhaps a comparison that you could uh, use to, to describe kind of what we're seeing at the moment? Well, I mean, it's, it's probably more of a profound change, what we're seeing, when you see landmark schools, you know, we haven't seen the foundational schools like Oklahoma and Texas or USC, UCLA, switch conferences. Um, in the past, it's been Arkansas leaving, going to the going to the uh, Big Twelve. I mean, sorry, the SEC. Penn State leaving uh, Independence or Florida State leaving Independence. Those are not, you know, really profound moves. Um, I guess. Like the, you know, the, the previous thing was the breakup of the Southwest Conference, where we went from uh, six major conferences to five. Big East, you know, sort of tried to get in that void and did for a while. So that would be the, the most common thing, especially if this breaks up the Pac-12. That would be the most likeness um, was that breakup of the Southwest Conference. But the one thing to remember is we've always had conference realignment. It's always been with us. Mm-hmm. Um, it, maybe not to the effect of seeing it these last two summers and maybe this summer as well, but it's always been with us, whether it's Arizona, Arizona State, jump into the pack in the late 70s, early 80s, whether it's Arkansas in 1990, whether it's um, you know Nebraska and Colorado and then Texas A&M and Missouri, whatever the case may be. It's always been with us. It's just, it seems to happen a little more frequently now. Barry, one thing, we appreciate it. The, the SEC meetings, of course, going on in Destin, and, and uh, we just had Brandon Marcello on, and he said that Oklahoma, Texas, who was there for them, they, they feel very comfortable, obviously very happy, and we know there's a big fat check coming with it as well, despite the, the exit fees. Do, did you ever, or did you ever find out that when, Texas Oklahoma story. Pop Brent Zerneman had the story. Who actually is the one that made the first call about the SEC? Was that Oklahoma or was it Texas? Do you know? Um, well, the call would have been to each other. It would not have been to the SEC. I think they called one of either OU called Texas or Texas called OU, and then they called the SEC. Um, 
I think what's most likely is OU and Texas were sitting around talking about their financial troubles, which are sort of silly because they've got so few financial troubles compared to Baylor and Oklahoma State and Iowa State and Kansas State and everybody else. But their idea of trouble, I think they were sitting around, and I don't know that anybody just hatched the idea of the SEC, you know, and said, let's run with it. I think it's something they probably talked with. But I think they formed a partnership and contacted the SEC. Um, And it was COVID-inspired because they got rocked. You know, the, uh, you know, if you, if you study your American history, Great Depression, the, uh, you know, Black Tuesday or Friday or whatever day the stock market crashed in October 29, the most affected people were the rich because they didn't know what to do without money. The poor sort of learned how to live without money. So I think when, when they got rock, everybody got rocked financially. Well, you in Texas, were sort of staggered and didn't know what to do. I think they commiserated with each other and hatched the idea that they could make a lot more in the SEC and and called uh, called Greg Sankey. I think that's the way it played out. Barry, thank you. I know you got your own show to do, as you do much with the Oklahoman as well and what you do in Oklahoma. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it very much. You bet. Thanks, guys. Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman. Brandon Marcello opened up the hour from 247. And just over a little less than an hour ago, Karen Boinkin from, uh, again, Brockton, excuse me, from Endeavor that was a part of the show that's getting a lot of feedback in the chat room and also uh, with a lot of what we do on Twitter. Is she related to Trayvon? Yeah, Trayvon (laughs) Boinkin. So Adam Flagler is going to stay in the draft. Jalen Bridges, who also entered the NBA draft to touch, you know, test the waters. He has decided to come back for another year. But... Decided to leave the NBA draft. He has not decided on Baylor no. or some of the other professional opportunities out there. Maybe even uh, maybe he's, a, maybe he's an a opportunity to play pro somewhere else. But the Baylor roster's had some attrition. They could use some bodies. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we need to at some point get a breather and kind of wrap our heads around what Marcelo was talking about and Barry because I think they're talking about two wildly different things. Um, you know, Marcelo... I'll just sum up my my opinions here. He's absolutely right. There's no reason this should be dragging out. This is stupid. The the whole scheduling thing dragging out even longer. I mean, it's not like, you know, like I say with a lot, it's not like it's a grave concern or anything like that, but it's just silly. Um, And it's it's absolutely about money. I think that's pretty clear at this point because there's nothing else that should really be holding that up. Uh, As far as Barry goes, I mean, Again, he's not he's not sitting here saying like they're absolutely going, you know, this is absolutely happening, but he's given his reasons as to why he thinks that way and as we said last week when his report first came out, uh, he's not going to say something just to say something. He's not trying to appear on radio shows and get, you know, Twitter followers and all that jazz. So, um, that's coming from some place of thought and weighing the, you know, the different sides and and feeling like that's the the end result which, you know, more and more people um, you know, have, have felt that way or, um, you know, maybe feel the opposite of it, but he's just weighing in, and I think his, his opinion is valuable because he's seen a, a lot of things there. But uh, on the Flagler and Bridges front, um, you know, Flagler, that's not a surprise. I mean, he was around for, you know, a good while. And so, you know, what was he going to do coming back? How was he going to improve? It's, it's understandable to see why he made the decision that he did. And with Bridges, you know, uh, it's, it's a re- – to be determined. You know, you can't really celebrate as a Baylor fan because you still don't know if he's coming back to Waco. He could go 
play in the Australian NBL, as the report mentioned, or go you know into the Next Stars program. So still have to wait a little while on him, but at least you know that there is a chance still remaining at least. And if you're Scott Drew, you've probably known these things for a while, but you can go ahead and open up one roster spot. Uh, and then there's another one that's still about 50-50 with Bridges, but it would be great to have him back in uh, green and gold next year. All right, when we come back, uh, we will have uh, much more to get to. 5.30, John Machota, the Cowboys, and he works for TheAthletic.com. But we have room and time. Uh, thanks to Texas Buckeye again for another super chat. You've done that a lot. We appreciate it when you do. Thank you. Uh, we really, really do. And then also, uh, in what you have heard, as Craig mentioned, uh, from Endeavor, from Brandon Marcello, and what were the discussions about the schedule or storming the field, et cetera, and then what you heard from Barry Trammell. This is 365 Sports. IdealMRI.com. I have a couple of stories that I've, has been shared with me with Dr. Rob Maxey, one of the partners at Ideal MRI. He was telling me this story. I've said this, shared this with you before, but I think I need to again. So a woman called Ideal MRI saying her insurance was making, making her go to the hospital to get an MRI. It would cost her $1,600 for the knee MRI with the insurance. She called Ideal MRI. She was distraught. And, of course, they told her the price was four ninety seven or less. Elated and relieved, and she got her scan. Doctors got the, uh, the results in the portal. They were able to look at the MRI. Her exam was interpreted by a fellowship-trained, world-class muscular, skeletal radiologist. Her local doctor had to, uh, access to the images immediately online for $497, saving her $1,100. So if you've been told you need an MRI, but you have to go a specific place, that's not true. You cannot even imagine the difference, even if the insurance is not something that they can take off even the $497. But it's $497. Every single time or less at IdealMRI.com in the Central Texas Marketplace in Waco. Cars price right both day and night. Average your car in Texas. Trucks built for you. Red, white, and blue. Average your car in Texas. Cars that zoom with lots of room. Average your car in Texas. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called Semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. 
If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help is finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, Charming, warm, welcome home. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Just something on Twitter just caught my attention. It's at BR underscore betting. The biggest win in TV poker history occurred at around noon is when it was posted 3.1 million dollar pot. Two guys threw out their cards. One guy waited the last second, won 3.1 million dollars. God, what a feeling that I wouldn't. Oh, I wouldn't God. have known if it was fifteen million or two million or what million. I mean, that's why people bet, right? Is for that feeling. Um, but that's you know a different, obviously, than placing a bet on like the Mets to win the World Series or whatever. That's you know you're physically involved in making the choices. So yeah, I can't even imagine either scenario. Uh, but that one in particular to to hit a three million dollar pot that'd be crazy. I have something else from SEC Media Days. That All right, it's just it, it's just interesting to to me um, that Sam Khan posted up as a example of just how wacky the sport of college football can be and what fun we're in for now with Texas and Texas A&M reunited here soon. Uh, David Ubbin had a tweet that said, uh, let's see, which one came first? All right. Kirk Bowles had a tweet that said, Texas A&M AD Ross Bjork reiterating that if Texas becomes a permanent rival or whenever the two play as SEC teams, the first game will be in College Station. And we brought that up like a while back. He had said that. Uh, so that was at 3.42. Less than an hour later, David Ubbin, somewhere else in the room, talking to Del Conte. 
Del Conte reiterated Texas's support for a nine-game SEC schedule, but also said, again, the location of A&M-Texas rivalry assumption has not been settled, so we'll see where that, that bad yeah. boy ends up. But well, Wouldn't that be at least, okay, listen, we brought him into the conference that you had had a chance to have kind of your own little neighborhood. You would the think it would be simple, do, and you say, yes, College Station gets to host. I mean, it really should probably be that simple, but, you know, if I'm you know Sankey, what? I'm also like, I'm going to let this twist in the wind a little bit and let them – let them. Who's the last game was played? Where? Where? College uh, Station or Austin? Yeah, the, college, big, the, kid, the field the goal. Kick, yeah. They had the face mask or the late hit or whatever, was, the personal uh, foul. I can't remember who it was. He played for the Packers. Just hit Case McCoy 17 yards out of bounds. I mean, just, oh, I thought it was a pass interference and then a late hit or well, something. Well, I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, that late hit out yeah. of bounds was, was, like, was a key play because I think I was on what would have been like a second down and nine for an offense that had, had kind of stalled at that point. And then they gave yeah. them and they 30 can, extra but, yards on the drive. But one thing yeah. UT does when the game is on the line, Nebraska, Oklahoma, A&M, among us, if it's a last-second field goal to win it, they're damn sure going to make it. They, oh, yeah, they, every they, time. They, every single time. And they did that last meeting with the Aggies. But that was in College Station, so who knows what R- they'll do when they resume the robbery. Ross Bjork is probably trying to manifest that into existence in that if he just says it enough, the SEC will go, yeah, yeah. That's fine. No. What, whatever. Just How about do the, the you know. tongue-in-cheek from uh, Del Conte about uh, throwing he's... their weight around? I know he's having fun with that. Well, it must have been before me. Uh, I, I and, and what Brandon Marcello said, okay, they might be able to try to do that or Oklahoma, but they're going to run into a little bit of a different barrier with what they face with some of the other alphas in the room in the SEC. Well, I, I look forward to all that going around. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a trade-off, right? You don't get to have your cake and eat it, too, with uh, making the move that they made. Ultimately, they might be able to. But, yeah, you're going to have to make some sacrifices and not being quite as powerful as you were in that conference boardroom um, is one of those things. But the trade-off is you get more exposure, more money, more security, and I'd say it's a pretty good deal. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, we act like they're Lex Luthor or something, but, you know, I wouldn't put it past them to, you know, pick their spots. I think – Clearly, Del Conte is trolling and having fun. Although, who knows? We could see that game wind up in Austin. And if if we do, man, if I'm a and I'm throwing an absolute fit, though. Like, that would be so disrespectful uh, after being, you know, the team to join years ago. And clearly, you know, this is going to be a massive, massive game. And I think if you were to put that anywhere but College Station, that would just be a slap in the face. I mean, it really would Isn't be. Isn't it like the Houston game this year? Being It had to be Texas-Houston and Houston. Oh, it's way different. Yeah. It's way, way, way more personal and bigger than, than that game. I mean, that was just like Texas is leaving. You know, they're they're leaving. So, yeah, like you gave them a little slap on the butt, and it's not even that big of a deal. Like it's no. a close road trip. It's They're going to have a billion fans there. It's just that they didn't get to have it in the NFL stadium where they'd have even more fans there um, because I think logistically that was just a smart play for Houston. They don't want to ha- be outdrawn by the opposing team, right? Uh, which would be likely to happen with that. This is – they're coming into your place where you've already been set up for a while now, had some pretty big moments, and you've been a part of the whole deal, and here's this big resumption of the rivalry. Just naturally, it absolutely should be in College yeah. Station, but I think everybody's having fun with it to an extent, and you know we'll have to see because uh, there could just be some – a little bit of trolling going on, but yeah, and I would I would find that massively disrespectful what, if it's in Austin. The timing of the conferences, the addition of Texas and OU, there was in the last three or four years, and who knows what would have happened, but Texas has at times struggled. We know that. 
Uh, Ellinger had the team that went to the Sugar Bowl, lost to OU in the Big 12 championship game. But here they are about to resume everything, and Texas has a little bit more steam, mainly because A&M was such a flop last year. So it'll be interesting by the time they do play, if it's 24-25, where each of those programs or both will be. Uh, I'm butthurt if I'm an Aggie and I lose in College Station for the first rivalry SEC game, J.G. Neolardo, on the on the game between the A&M and, and, uh, and the Horns. Yeah, even if it is in College Station, there's still that possibility. So, like, yeah, I mean, the only thing you can do is you have to, you have to win that game or else it's mm. it's going to be brutal for whatever side does not but particularly if, if you're the side that's at home, which, you know, again, remains to be seen. I, I, I would, if I had to put a bet down, believe that that game will be in College Station. I, but I, I think so, too. I do think, though, there is, I mean, further building into the, the complex that A&M has over, over or Texas has over A&M, that they've always kind of done that, is that now you may not even get the game at home. And, two, uh, you had a decade plus to make your mark and – even if Texas was coming in, you could have been so far ahead of them Entrenched. and 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 put you know put a dent in them because Texas was down for so long and A and M failed to do that again. They failed to sustain any of the momentum. Um, so there's that uh, an interesting note. Big Twelve Media Day started today in West Virginia. Well, that's just fun. This is some of those things that we didn't get for a lot of years because they weren't in the same conference. Mm-hmm. So like all this little petty bickering or back and forth poking and the fun that can come with that and I'm sure some other feelings as well at times depending on the subject matter like that was something that you only got really on Twitter you know and it was like two website guys that were arguing back and forth but now we actually have the ADs in the same league they're going to be playing each other hopefully as permanent rivals whenever that schedule gets sorted out and and I do think even though I'm not somebody who grew up where like Thanksgiving revolved around that game like it did for Paul, for example. Like, how much was that your Thanksgiving tradition? Oh, we, we, we went like, a couple times. Yeah, yeah. like, it wasn't, it wasn't that for me. It was a big game, but I just wasn't invested in either one. Um, but I'm – so I'm not, like, somebody who's been every year, like, oh, they can't believe they're yeah. not playing. But I am super excited to see them actually resume this. I think it's yeah. going to be amazing. It was no different to me than watching Florida, Florida State, UCLA, USC. But it was – I enjoyed traditional – Rivalries, which we know some have come and gone, and some have been reestablished. Uh, Texas OU, of course, has been constant. Nebraska, Oklahoma, they didn't play for a while. Then they've played the last couple of years, and it was nice, even though last year Oklahoma beat the living hell. The first game was pretty competitive uh, when they resumed their rivalry after many years of not playing. So, Paul, you went to a couple of those, you said? Oh, yeah. I went to, I want to say, like three or four in my life. I remember we went in 1988, and A&M had won, at that point, five years in a row, uh, which meant it was easier to get tickets uh, for my dad. That I mean, he called up a buddy the day of, and then he said, yeah, I got two in the end zone. We were in Austin because my my grandparents lived in Austin my whole life. So, um, if especially if the game was in Austin. And then I went to the the last uh, – no, I went to a couple after that. But I was at the bonfire game, and that was my freshman year in college, but I was home for Thanksgiving, and that was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was a huge, huge thing for my family, you know, the, the A&M Texas game uh, every year. And, yeah, it'll be great to see a bet. Like, that's the other reason I don't want the, the eight-game schedule to – to to be voted on because if they do that even for a couple of years that means that we're only going to get that game once yeah before it, it becomes the the permanent rival because texas ou isn't going anywhere no, that's, that's going to be each other yeah, yeah that's going to trump everything so the other thing is 
for AM, the only benefit I can see that they would possibly think to getting Texas back in the same league as them is that their rivalry game comes back and their fight song makes sense again and all of that stuff. But if you don't get to even do that every year, then you're like, what did you guys do to us? Yeah, they need to make sure that that happens. Just Absolutely. as much as Texas OU, make AM and Texas happen. And then in the end, I think they'll figure that out. I saw one of the games that might be a game that is a crossover game that is lost if they stay in the eight-team schedule going forward is like Auburn and Georgia, uh, which for Auburn, you know, again, they've been up and down at times. They've been elite, but uh, well, that was one of the games. Georgia notice? Yeah. No. <laughs> right now? No, uh, not I mean, really. No, yeah, not really. Yeah, I think that they, I, th- I just think what Marcelo said, it's posturing for TV money and – you know, like he said, when uh, people are saying it's not about the money, it's about the money. And we had, you know, the Georgia official, I forget if it was the president, I think it's the president, that had said, you know, we need to see if there's more money. If we're going to play an extra game, we need more money. And then who was it? It was Sankey, right, that came out and said, hey, it's not about chasing money. Yep. Everything's not about chasing money. But, you know, if you're, if you're believing Brandon's quote, which probably is right more often than not, when it's not about the money, it's about the money – or John McClain, our buddy, everything's always about the money. This is clearly about the money. So, you know, that's something that they and ESPN need to get together on at some point and, and figure out. And, you know, that seems like it's really the, the obstacle that's preventing well, this from just, you know, going full forward. I, I don't know, but I do think that this is, an, uh, not, this is not anything that will change his power structure uh, of who he is running the conference. But Greg Sankey right now, I mean, this is something he wants to see nine games. We'll see. If they're not going to happen today, probably not going to happen this week, but this is something that as a commissioner, uh, Slive would have made this happen. Delaney would have made this happen. I would think right now, even as it's been on the, the, on the clock for less than a year, if that's one, something that your mark wanted to change something, doesn't mean he wins everything. As even uh, Karen mentioned earlier, Karen Brodkin mentioned earlier, but at least in this case, this is something Sankey wants. Get it done, and we'll see if he does. When we come back to 5 o'clock hour, John Machota joins us at 5.30. Paul's top five. Hey, don't forget tonight at 10.30 and every weeknight at 10.30. Sports tonight on the CW. This show at Emory will then mold it and uh, into uh, the four best segments, interviews, or discussion. And, of course, put together and brought to you by Rooftop Innovations. We put your roof above everything else. This is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace coming off Memorial Day, 4th of July, around the corner. They are a, uh, a grocery store, kind of a hometown flavor, to, to, so to speak. When you walk in the door, there's two or three, well, there's actually four different aisles, two major aisles, one on aisles on each side, with what, pasta, chips, seasoning, marinades, canned goods, what you want, and even some candy and sweets. The bakery is off to the uh, right side. Uh, Tweet, uh, treats and sweets and what you want, uh, cookie cakes, uh, kolaches, uh, donuts, uh, what you need with the, even if you want pies and or cakes. In the back is the butcher shop, and when you go in the back off to the left, there's the butcher shop. It starts with what they have when it comes to, for example, seafood. They have fantastic Atlantic Ocean Norwegian salmon, and then pork and poultry. And then in the back, the main part of it, beef, 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 and beef, and beef. From hamburger beef to steaks to brisket and more, Waco Custom Marketplace, the Bauer family, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. 
Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micromarket vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micromarket vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at AutomaticChefCanteen.com. Don Humidor, you're home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carol and Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. When it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel and Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel and Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel and Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at PioneerBoys.com. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers. 
This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. We start this 5 o'clock hour. Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke. I'm David Smoke. Thank you for being a part of what we do every day. Live 3 to 6 here on 365 Sports. And then what in the break we heard Emery discussing sports tonight. Levi asking about segments that he will post specifically. Graham Bronstein in with us now. Missouri uh, student who's with us. Uh, we've known for a long, long time. Jack McKenzie just constantly working the forums and whatever else. I saw him in a big calendar in the back and Garrett Ross running the mothership. Garrett, uh, the camera on Paul, yeah. it, it makes me look like my contacts are not working. Yeah, it well, keeps it's, going it's kind in of been acting up in it. Yeah. Paul? I, I don't know. I mean, hey. it, it, it goes to it. Go to the shot of Paul. Let's see what it looks like here in just a second. I'm, I've been noticing. Oh, it's fine. No, it's it'll fine. drift it's every fine. once in a while. Yeah. Every once in a while, it looks a little blurry, Paul. You, you I think. Like you it, waking up the first night in I Hawaii. Think it, no, I think what it, it wants is it just it's wants to be close to me. So ah, is that it why just, it's blurry? Yeah, it just keeps no, it's zooming actually in. Pulling, pulling it's moving, moving in, and it right. wants to be close to me. All right. Of all of what you have heard the last hour, from Karen Brodkin of Endeavor, Brandon Marcello, 247 Sports, and Destin at the SEC Media Days, and Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman, and what he was mentioning. Which of those interviews, what was the one thing that you could take out of any of those three segments if you listened to one, two, three, or maybe you didn't yet? What was the one thing that you took out of it the most? Uh, and there's several, by the way. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to hear how Barry, um, you know, came to decide to to say something about Colorado, uh, and and it, it, it kind of confirms what we we said about him leading up to this in the last you know week or so since it, he wrote that in in the Scissor Tales column that he does. But this is not a guy who is at all moved by Twitter views, you know? So it's not like he put that out there because he felt lonely and needed some sort of attention, attention and validation. However, he needed more likes. Be. No, he didn't know that. So he, he sat there and waited, you know, a person told him, and he's like, okay, fine. Another person told him, he said, well, that, that, that kind of piques my interest. It wasn't until it kind of got a little closer and more things had happened where he said, well, now I, I, I probably need to address this. And so that's why there's a lot more heat than there's ever been and, and all this about, especially Colorado in particular. And uh, I was interested to hear that. I was interested to see how, hear how silly also this whole SEC thing is because they're holding out for money. And, yes, I get that. But, I mean, come on. You're going to get it. Like, just do it now because you know you're going to do it. And then later on, it will be made up to you on the back end. And if you don't get it now, are you like going to have to like, well, that's it. We've got to get rid of football because we didn't get this ninth game. No, you won't. Because if you do the nine SEC games, the ad revenue that ESPN will sell in that will go through the roof because the ratings will be good. Yeah, I think the uh, SEC thing is just posturing. Um, I think that'll get done eventually. It just makes too much sense. It, it you know it doesn't make any sense to not do it outside of just the money piece of it. That's literally the only good reason to not do it, right? I mean, it's the only reason to not do it. Spare me the strength of schedule too, and like, oh well, no, they they play too many hard teams. They can't have another one from the 
spare me on that. Like, I, I think that there's probably some years where that's accurate, and then there's years where it's not accurate, and it just becomes like a, a thing that you sure. just say um, that doesn't necessarily have any real backing behind it. So I don't think that's a, a legitimate reason to not do it. Um, so, yeah, it's just the money piece. I mean, that wasn't the most interesting thing to me, though. Uh, Barry talking about, you know, his feelings about Colorado. I mean, we've kind of known that, but to hear him is great. That's not the most interesting. I liked, you know, Karen Brockie just talking about, you know, the Endeavor side of things and, um, you know, Big 12 Karen uh, talking about the conference that, you know, she's uh, – she's involved in and is working with and, and kind of getting some of the backstory and her knowing that she's been brought up and uh, acknowledging that. And I, I just think that's fun. Uh, and, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, taking in here in a different perspective, because I've, I've in all due respect, I've heard Barry Trammell. I've heard Brandon Marcello and I will hear from them again, hopefully knock on wood and, and hear from them many more times to come. But we've never interviewed Karen Brockham before, and I don't know how many interviews she really does, and particularly on Big 12 college sports, right? So just to get her perspective, kind of get to play around in the mind of Endeavor and you know what they're doing at the moment and, and uh, their view of college athletics in the future just uh, is interesting stuff to me and a little bit of a different uh, taste. So I think that that was uh, probably the, the big takeaway for me. Uh, Levi Emery, whoever, is there a chance that we could get her answer or the question about her being a power broker and we replay that between now and 530? Is that impossible if we were to cue that up? If they just, I'm just curious because I thought that was interesting. Yeah, um, from Hugh Cat, Houston Cat, uh, from Karen, the media consultants and big media companies like, this is Paul's question, regional diversity, probably not for the two major conferences. Uh, Paxton said the one that uh, he liked the most out of the Brandon Marcello discussion was the storming the field and what could be the consequences with that. Yeah, that one, I just I just don't think that the harsh punishment that was laid out is all that realistic because it's just so harsh that he drop home a home game like, would be massive. So to me, that sounds great, but I just don't feel like there's really any chance of that happening. But it's a it's a great thought. Like it'd be fascinating if they did that, um, and you know it would curtail it immediately because nobody would want to lose a home. You'd game. have to have guys with. Well, like they, turrets up on the top of the stadium. Well, they the would. Fans. Yeah. They would. They would absolutely yeah. have like a fence, a makeshift fence like that you would soccer. not be able to get over yeah. just to ensure that it didn't happen. So yeah, that, that was interesting. I just uh, I don't think that that's probably realistic, but that that was interesting. Yeah, uh, Hugh Cat. They they want to grow the pie. She said that the Big Twelve is expecting and wants to grow the pie, uh, grow the pie, not shrink it. Kim Coulter. I thought she confirmed what most believe when she said she knows your mark isn't done adding schools. Well, well I she just didn't lost say schools. It. She did not no. say schools. Adding she said- based on who she's currently working on. But she did say that they they understand the landscape around them. Yes, she even mentioned in that response about what uh, she has been labeled by some. Uh, when I asked about being a power bo- broker, not just with media deals, but also with the realignment landscape, too. Yeah, she can't say that. <laughs> but, you know, if you want to interpret it that way, I think it's fair, too. Um, not that, that they are, like, committed, like, we're going at, but if you want to assume that that's the case, I think that that's fair because yeah. I think that em- everything and anything is on the table from their standpoint and from the Big 12 standpoint that's realistic, obviously, uh, that would add to the brand and growth and revenue and all of that. I mean, we're talking about international football and basketball games. We're talking about adding basketball-only schools. We're talking about adding, like, four football. You know, I mean, there's 
there's anything and everything that's been rumored. So I, I definitely think you could read into that how you want to and just assume that anything they could potentially add on or make money, they're they're probably, you know, uh, looking into it. Which team in the, uh, the, the SEC storms the field the most? Now, Tennessee was well-known for Alabama. Huh. Uh, which team in the Pac-12, excuse me, well, we could say the Pac-12. I don't even know. Are there many in the Pac-12 that storm the field? Last Which, year in the Big 12, it was Texas Tech, I Texas think. Texas Tech had, well, <laughs> they had a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah. I, I do recall them having at least a couple, and I don't know if anybody had more than, than one or so. Uh, maybe they did. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There, there should probably be a scorecard or something for that. I know there's there's definitely the party that's like anti-field rushing. I'm not. There uh, are some schools that will just, yeah. it's, it's, it's not arrogance, it's just they're not going to do that. that well, they feel gonna... like they're above it to where they should not storm the field, even if they went through 10 years uh, of hell. Sure. I think, I think though, like, and I, part of it is, if you've ever won a national championship or two, like, and your fans have experienced, especially if they've experienced it recently, you know, fairly recently, or they remember it as kids, the, the students that are there remember it when they were younger, you know, kids, it's a lot harder to say. Without bringing is, up Florida State, give me somebody who's won it recently. Alabama. That, like, okay. Alabama wouldn't storm the field because they know, and like, that game, as big as it, like, Alabama beating Auburn on a last-second field goal is great and all, but that does not taste as sweet as it does winning the national championship. So, again, I think you just – you don't necessarily. A&M has stormed it. I think yeah. what last year, and I, I don't know this for sure, but I would, I would guess that Tennessee probably was the, the big field stormers last year in the SEC. Um, like I said, with uh, the Big 12, I think it would be Tech. And I don't know about anywhere else where that would be exactly. But I think Tennessee last year, I mean, it seemed like that happened a couple of different times. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Alabama game in particular. Uh, so, yeah. Kansas had every right to storm it as many times as they wanted last year. Baylor, my first year here in 2010, they had not been to a bowl game in nearly two decades. It was like 16, 15, 17 years. And they beat Kansas State to become bowl eligible. I remember, they rushed the field. I, I could understand it then. I have a question. If you're Texas or Alabama, if you're Ohio State, Oklahoma, and you have been through, and none of them have been through a long drought. Oklahoma had the late, mid to late 90s. Uh, Texas has been up and down, but they haven't been like 2 and 10. Um, Ohio State has very rarely been down. They had maybe one or two hiccups along the way. If they were to go, and it would be hard to imagine this, six to eight years without success, without even a bowl game. And then they won a big game, and it was against somebody that's a massive rival, and it and it got it was a big like beat number one. Would they storm the field? There are some schools, no matter what, it's just like a shock collar as the students get close to the edge. Just you can't go. Well, you, you can't know, do it. You, you're not allowed to. Look, some schools have had field stormings at some point in their in their back in their history, and then they have a better setup for stopping it. Yeah, and and you know I've been to several different places where. You know, they announce throughout the game that oh, storming the field. They, they constantly, nothing. but they constantly say it. But, yeah, they but have you can to. tell they've said it yeah. over years and years, and people finally gotten the message. Does Baylor get extra bonus points because they stormed the field twice against Oklahoma two years ago? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, 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 you know, and I get it. I've never, I've never been part of a field storming before. I get wanting to do it. 
but I do think the problem of doing it, you have to be selective in it because once you've done it, then you can't just do it again. No, yeah, you can. Because then you, you've lessened the other one. Yeah, all right. So Hugh Cat, when I hear what Endeavor's working on, I am more convinced the Big 12 will lead the way in rewriting the way we view and consume college sports the next 20 years. I think there's a very real possibility of that because I think that they've got a guy in charge who's thinking that way, and I think that that might be their only choice to remain relevant. Is uh, you know A lot of these broadcast spots are going to be scooped up by the two major conferences just as they are right now, and there's only going to be so few as we're seeing right now with the Pac-12, and streaming is going to be a big thing moving forward. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about that from your mark, you know, to come. Um, you know, with him, here's the thing is like, how long is he in charge? You know, is he here 10 years from now? I don't know. Is he here five years from now? Like maybe, I don't, I don't know. But in their current iteration, then yeah, I think they've got a real possibility to be that third brand that is that because they decided to think outside the box and do everything different imaginable to try and separate themselves or get money or when you create things that others follow yeah, that's like, that's that's being kind of not follow the leader but that is being uh proactive yeah they i think they're going to be the most proactive and and do that out of survival and necessity and and because of that and because of just kind of the the people they have leading the way now i think that that's a very real possibility and how crazy that could potentially get i mean again we're already talking about international basketball games and such i, I don't know what else they could add on to that, but that's that's a, that's a safe bet, I would say. If Baylor plays overseas and it's in the Orient, I'm going. Uh, yeah, I will be where in the in the Japan in Asia. Yeah, it won't be. I'm not going to China. I'll go to Japan. Yeah, I'd go to Japan. I'd go to South Korea. Um, but yeah, I, I think that'd be interesting. I think it'd be super interesting if, if they did that. Why did you look at me like I had just Orient's a buzzword? Yeah, 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 and I, I don't know if that's technically. I don't. I don't even know if in the Far East. Yes, yeah, that's okay. better. Yeah, with, yeah U.S. Like, okay. All right. I, I, like I, it's is, one of those things where it's fine. Like I don't know whether where it stands anymore on whether yeah. it's fine or not. Um, most people will understand what you're referring to, but it's also really outdated, I think, is yeah. the thing. Well, I don't so feel like anybody says that. So ever. am I. <laughs> but, like, just, yeah. U.S. Yeah. Mail, if you're adding more and more to the conference pie, you've got to play those foes as much as possible and not every six, eight, ten-plus years. And I think U.S. Mail was referring to the SEC's dilemma of what they do. I uh, think look, I'm right, U.S. The, Mail the, with the SEC. Nothing that they've done screams that they should be playing eight games. Like every move they've made is to tell you how good their league is, and then all of a sudden to say that there should be less of it doesn't make any sense. I can understand, especially the big boys, or even the, the ones who are in the middle of the pack or, or maybe not thought of as the alphas in the SEC, of not wanting to lose another non-conference home game. I get it. Sure. I also understand they've been able to for the longest time, and they've been able to win the national title, so whatever they do – they lead the way, and there's no one's gotten in their way. But I, I do think they were able to tuck a non-conference game late in the schedule that maybe people would pay more attention to that it's playing Stanford or Jacksonville State. Well, and look, you rather than if it's tucked into the last or next to the last SEC conference game. Okay, you cannot get rid of those games and play an extra conference game. You cannot. Spend all this time growing and growing and growing and taking teams from other leagues 
and doing all that and building a 16-team league and then say that, well, we really uh, don't want to give anything up that we've always had. Well, you chose this. The SEC chose to get bigger. The SEC chose, and and they they were able to because they are the best league year in and year out, they chose their their path. And they, they won't let anybody forget how good they are. So when you do that, you're going to have to make some minor sacrifices on the way to global domination. Kevin, it's a lot easier to adopt a non-conference game schedule or format when you don't have an annual game with a non-conference rival like most of the Big Ten and Big 12 teams. We'll get ready for the argument that... Uh, well, wait, say that again, sorry. Uh, it's a lot easier to adopt the nine-game nine game conference format when you don't have an annual game with a non-conference okay. rival like most in the Big Ten and Big 12. In other words, the Florida, SEC... Florida State. Yeah, yeah Florida... Uh, Clemson, South Carolina. Clemson yeah. and South Carolina. But not all of them Though, have it, The though. ACC and the SEC do have a lot of really good non-conference, like tradi- Georgia, Georgia Tech. I mean, no matter where Georgia is list, now. Yeah. Um, but, so, uh, Kevin, I, I agree with you there. That doesn't mean you can't get it done. Yeah, That's, I thought that, he was referring more towards, like, playing Coppin State in week, <laughs> week 11 no, no, or no. whatever. But, um, but by having those that one rival game, uh, that's outside of your conference. That is something you would rather not see that go by the wayside, although it did with A&M in Texas when A&M bolted for the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I guess it'll just, uh, again, I, I think they figure it out. I think that they're just posturing over money. I, I really think this is going to be much ado about nothing ultimately, and maybe I'm wrong on that, and then we can go circle back around if that's the case and dunk on the SEC for not playing the same amount of games that every other major conference would be, and we can unpack you know, all the reasons as to why. That is a valid you know, uh, reason to, to bring up though, I would just say though, that like not everybody has those though. Um, you know, some do, um, and you definitely want to preserve those. I get that. Um, but at the sake of, you know, the better of the conf- the betterment of the conference that you're actually in, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a crossroads and you can't have your cake and eat it too, or you're going to have to have it. And maybe guess what you do replace, you know, um, that Coppin state or nickel state or Northwestern state or whoever, uh, with your annual rivalry game, and your schedule is just really hard. But guess what? That would be great for season ticket holders, and that would be great for the teams that are really good in that particular year. And it's not as big of a deal because there's going to be 12 teams making a playoff. Yeah. So like that's yeah. the part of this that you can say nine and three gets you. You're, you're in the out. playoff now. Nine <laughs> and three if you're in the right place, the right conference with the right power yeah. structure and schedule. By the way, Canelio, I, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, the $10 Super Chat just a few moments yeah. ago. I did not say that when we came back yeah. from the break. Thank, Thank you. you. 12 teams in the playoff changes a lot of this. Everything. And, and I do think that a lot of these arguments and a lot of the ones that the coaches are making are because they're, they're you kind of are, are stuck in the, well, this is how it's always been. Well, yeah, but things are about to change, so it's not that big of a deal if you do lose two games. It's I, I mean, if you're 10-2 and two in the SEC – more than likely, Which is you're, you're going to be 12th. 93 in the SEC. You're going to be 12th. If, if your losses are, let's, for example, say LSU, Alabama, and Georgia, you still are awake. And you, you could get that invitation uh, to the party rather than if it was Mississippi State yeah. in a non-conference game against some mid-level team. And look, if you're, say you do have an early season, so say you have LSU-FSU this year, and you know, this is in a 12-team playoff year, and the and LSU loses that game, and then the other losses to is to Tennessee, 
you know, well, LSU's in the playoff. I mean, like, their two losses are to two really good teams that are in the playoff. And they'll see what happens in December. That's what the point of it is. So it'll all, I think it'll all work itself out on that end where they they don't have to fret about it and you can still play good quality non-conference games. And if you lose your rivalry game at the end of the year, a little tough. You know, again, you can't always just get everything exactly the way you want it. Yeah, but they're, I mean, I understand trying to yeah. uh, as best you can. I mean, they, they don't have to make a decision today. They can reconvene, and they will, and they'll figure it out. But I do think that that element of the playoff is what curbs some of the arguments against it. And I think the really all you're left with ultimately is, one, the SEC wants more money to play another SEC game, which is understandable. Um, but it's also bad timing uh, the way the whole landscape kind of is right now. And, you know, uh, I don't want to sacrifice rivalries, but, you know, when you're picking up and moving L.A. schools across the country to the Big Ten, I mean, what all, what all can we still preserve and also have all of these different changes, you know? Like, there's going to be some things that go to the wayside, and maybe that's Georgia, Georgia Tech, you know, I, and I, you know, or whatever, uh, something along those lines. If Nebraska, but, Oklahoma can be interrupted, Georgia, Georgia Tech exactly, can be Yeah, I mean, exactly right. So, you know, I'm sure that that will be, you know, part of the arguments that are made for it and, and such, but really the, the whole expanded playoff, I think, nullifies a lot of the, well, what about this and what about that? Well, what if you have three losses? Guess what? Depending on who those are against and who you beat, that's A-OK. You're still going to be playing for a national championship, um, you know, and, and everything will sort itself out ultimately well, uh, in a far cleaner manner than it used to because you'll have to go through that gauntlet of playing, you know, team after team after team that's all in that playoff bubble. Uh, and, you know, whoever's coming out on the other side of that thing, I mean, that is going to be your undisputed national champion all right. um, in, in more proven than any other team that ever came before them, quite frankly. And if it, whatever they do, eight, nine games, it's not going to keep me up at night. It, it, that's their conference. They can do with it whatever they want. But what will be interesting eventually is what they do with divisions because now you have the they East and the West. Get rid of them. And then now, that's a I mean, yeah, you can, you, can, you can find out what would have been last year, would it have been, it still would have been LSU and Georgia, correct, Garrett, if the yeah. SEC – yeah, but see Tennessee, they had the they had the injury, but you know, who knows? Maybe they would have been uh, Georgia. Tennessee could have played again in, in the national cha- or in the uh, SEC championship or game. Maybe it's Alabama, LSU. No, it would have been whoever. Georgia, Tennessee. Yeah, it would have been Georgia, Tennessee. Oh wait, sorry. Um, wait, who won the Georgia? Who won the LSU, Tennessee game? They didn't play. They didn't play. They didn't play. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was trying play. to look for. They didn't play, so they're both six and two, and I, that's where your tiebreakers yeah. come into yeah. play because okay. Alabama would have been eliminated by tiebreaker. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they lost to both of them. Yeah. But the, the the whole divisions, I mean, that's that's gone. Like, yeah, that's that's being scrapped already. So that's that has nothing to do with this, the scheduling or anything. That's already territory that we're moving into, and that's part of. If and you remember, worked. like a year ago, that was the whole argument about the, the whole thing was, well, oh my God, are we getting rid of divisions? And then what does that look like? And and that's gonna be uh gonna be very interesting to see um, how that goes as well because I do think it should make for some far it, more interesting at the top battles. It it, it the Big Twelve has had. 10 teams for a long time now. And, yes, there were a couple of times when all hell was breaking loose because they didn't know what the hell tiebreaker they were going to use or they had it in the laws, and that's what got Bowlesby so pissed when I asked him about it. He said that was part of the bylaws that the schools agreed on. But in the end, you played the game. And you know what? You had a championship, and somebody won it, and then they moved on and then sometimes played in the playoff, and sometimes they did not. When we come back, John Machota, theathletic.com on the Cowboys and more, and this is 365 Sports. 
Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street in Waco, a hidden gem. Uh, look, I I need to go there. Uh, although, I don't know. I've, I've got to, I mean, I don't think you won't keep, but I'm leaving to go to Hawaii for two weeks, and there's not a Riverbend Liquor and Wine there. Uh, the places I go, I mean, yeah, they have some great selection when I you're, you're going to be there, but nothing like the selection you get at Riverbend Liquor and Wine, nothing like the customer service. Uh, and I need uh, to, to refill my bourbon stocks. I'm down low, and they have the best selection of locally craft bourbons that you are that you can ever find. We're talking TX, Devil's River, Balcones, you name it. If it's made in Texas, they've got it and all of its kind of different offshoots and different flavors and varieties at Riverbend Liquor and Wine. Always turning the roster, whether it comes to whiskeys or beer, craft beer, also second to none. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, behind the bank, also available on DoorDash. If you can't make it out there, say you're hanging out at the barbecue this weekend, you want to order it, you can do that on DoorDash. They'll get it out to you that way as well. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, behind the bank. Follow them on Instagram. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, Ideal MRI. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared 
to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin. And you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Welcome back to 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. It's time for our weekly segment with John Machoda of The Athletic, brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects, with two locations in Waco and Bryan, family-owned and operated since 1943 couple of notes that we want to review, and, and then we'll hear from John Machota here in just a moment. Adam Flagler has decided to remain in the NBA draft, and so he will not be back for another year with Baylor. Uh, Kendall Kautz going to write a story. He thinks that Adam Flagler is among the top five best players ever to play under the Scott Drew era. He might be a part of this show tomorrow, Kendall Kautz. Maybe Adam Flagler, who knows. And then also earlier today, Karen Brodkin, uh, the executive VP at Endeavor for content strategy and development was on the show to discuss many things of what they're doing with college athletics, with TV deals, and also with the Big Ten or Big 12. I have screwed up the Big Ten, Pac-12, and Big 12 throughout the day today, and that's kind of stupid. But I asked her a question about who she is in the landscape of all of this sports, economics, and business. Karen, what's it like to be known and called a power broker in the media deals and even your influence when it comes to realignment talk? Well, I mean, I think it's a little hyperbolic, to be honest. I'm not, you know, I'm not making decisions about where members are going to play their games and what conference they're going to be affiliated at with. I'm really, I mean, that's not what we do. It, it truly isn't. We do analysis. We do strategy. We're not the decision makers. Um, we don't put ourselves out in that role. We are there to support our clients. Um, on the plus side, I'd like to think that we bring a lot of value. I'd like to think that we we provide a lot of support. And again, to my point on, we're just not purely transactional beings. We want to be there for the long haul. What we say to our athletes is exactly what we say to the Big 12 and Commissioner Yormark or any of our other clients. We want to be there at the beginning, the middle, and the end, right? Wherever you want to go, we want to be there to help you get there. And if that's, you know, the definition of a power broker, that I'll take. But to suggest, as I know it has been suggested, that somehow <laughs> Endeavor or Karen Brodkin is deciding the fate of any conference or any school, I mean, that's just, that's just not accurate. 
And though I haven't necessarily responded publicly to mm-hmm. any of those assertions, I'm here to tell you today that that is not a true statement. All right. That's, uh, again, Karen Brodkin. I thought the, the question, well, uh, we've heard about what the Twitter Karen, whatever that's, that's thrown out there, which was just silly, the back and forth mudslinging that's gone on uh, between some who are either fans or also members of the media or others themselves who are actually involved in planning and strategic communication. So thank you to Karen for answering that question. All right, we'll hear from John Machota here in a moment. Well, I just uh, I wish I could send this picture, but Garrett, you couldn't get it in time. Brad Boozer, Boozer's Jewelers, where Paul bought a ring. He's on 18 Fairway at Pebble Beach. He just sent me an, an email with that. We appreciate it, and I hate Brad uh, for where he is uh on 18 or anywhere near Pebble Beach. I just saw I just saw him last week. Yeah, I bet you did. Yeah. You yeah. still have another one coming up, Paul. I know. I already... Yeah, you helped pay for his trip to Pebble Beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah, I man. did. We're yeah. now joined by John Machota, theathletic.com. John, I don't think the Cowboys are involved, but of course it's fun to throw their name out for any big name that's out there. But what are your actual thoughts about DeAndre Hopkins and his value? Has his value slipped in any way? Yeah, probably a little bit. I mean, just in the sense that the Cardinals couldn't get anything from him or for him in return. Uh, they obviously were shopping him for a while. And so the fact that they decided to just completely cut ties with him uh, tells you that there probably wasn't a lot of great offers out there. And now it gives him a chance to kind of sign with whoever he wants. Now, if you're talking about for the Cowboys, I just think he would have to be trying to take a lot less money than maybe some other places are offering. And maybe he would be interested in that. I just don't get the sense of that happening. Um, I think it's much more likely that he would go to Kansas City or Buffalo um, and maybe even Baltimore. But uh, if if this was, you know, three, four months ago and the Cardinals were rumored to be letting him go, I could see the Cowboys maybe have more interest in him than Brandon Cooks. But after that Brandon Cooks deal went down, I just didn't. I don't get the sense that they're going to spend that much more at the wide receiver position, uh, considering that you know you're already paying Michael Gallup, Cooks has got a decent contract, and then uh, Ceedee Lamb as well. So I, I just I don't see it happening. I do I, I do understand why Cowboys fans are interested, and when he's healthy, he's a dynamic wide receiver. I just don't see it happening. John, what do you think their number would be for a player like that? Like even you know. I'll throw out another theoretical thing, and he's still on the Titans roster, but Derrick Henry uh, that could come in and help the running game uh, if, if they need a, you know, because they don't really have a back on the roster that, that does what Derrick Henry does if the Titans decided to move on from him at, at any point. What do you think that number would be for the, we'll spend this much money if, if they're willing to come here? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I, you know, top paid wide receivers, you're talking in that $30 million neighborhood. Obviously, he wouldn't be commanding that. I would think he'd be looking for at least 20, and I don't see the Cowboys being willing to pay more than maybe, I don't know, 10, 12, even if that. And I don't even think they would spend that. You know, I mean, it would have to be a very cheap type thing. And, and, and it's not even just about the salary for that year. It's just the fact that I don't think they'd be offering more than one year because of the fact that they're looking to pay C.D. Lamb and Trayvon Diggs and eventually, you know, Dak gets a new contract and Micah Parsons. So, it probably would only be a one-year deal. And so that probably right there is something that, especially, I mean, Hopkins is 30, going to be 31. I would think he'd be looking for multiple years. And, and, and so 
forget just even the yearly salary. I don't think the Cowboys would be willing to give him the number of years he's probably looking for. All right. So, John, uh, they're, they're having these in-and-out media. I don't even know if they're called OTAs. What are they called now? What what are the mini camp? What do they call them now? Yeah. I mean, right now they're in technically in the stage where it is OTAs, um, but it is a very uh, much like walkthrough type atmosphere. I mean, they are running seven-on-seven, seven, but, you know, there's no – no one's really trying to jump in front of routes and intercept passes. They're just trying to kind of get to the right spot. Nobody get hurt. Let's just go through the motions of, hey, this is what we're going to do on these plays, things like that. So then when they get out to training camp, they're ready to go. But, you know, big thing that factored in all this, especially for the Cowboys, I mean, Mike McCarthy's been fined significantly these last two years for too much contact in this in this portion of the offseason. And so um, – Health is obviously a big concern, but the other is they're not looking to. I mean, not only has McCarthy been fired, but they, I mean, fine, they've also lost uh, uh, additional days in the offseason during the OTA minicamp portion because of uh, those penalties of too much contact. So, yeah, there's not a ton of that going on uh, out at the uh, at the start. I got I got to ask you, what, what do they monitor? How many times shoulder pads meet or helmets clack, clackle, whatever, what crackle? What? How do they know that? There's too much contact. So, so the, for one, I mean, they are recorded. Um, right. And so there is video. So, you know, if you have a player could always go to his agent and say, hey, man, I mean, it's getting wild in practice. That would be one way. I don't know that that's what necessarily happened with the Cowboys. It could have. Um, but, the, but the league can review this uh, film. And from what I've been told, uh, it sounds like in what, where it's come at is when they've gone full 11 on 11, and it's the stuff uh, on the line of scrimmage, you know, and, and mm-hmm. where, you know, there's only so much you can simulate. If Even if you just go in your backyard with your friends and you're playing offensive line and defensive line, there's going to be certain plays where a guy might slip and fall down, and then you don't want guys, you know, rolling up on the back of another guy's leg, which you obviously see happens in games all the time, particularly on the offensive line. And so from what I've heard, that that's where the, the issue was. It wasn't really on the perimeter. It wasn't at yeah, the quarterback position and that. At, or at linebacker, it was it was in the trenches. It, it was getting a little too physical in, in in a few of those practices. Was the first team offensive line telling to you, John, or is that just kind of where they have to be right now? Yeah, I think that just because of what they had um, when we got to see breaks last Thursday, we could see it again uh, tomorrow, and then next week at mini camp, and we'll be out there for for three days, so we'll get to see a lot more then. But you know, when you don't have Zach Martin, then you're going to have to have someone filling in at right guard. But obviously, Zach Martin is. You know, they're going to go with he's going to be your right guard when the season starts, obviously. So it's really just that left guard spot. But the, I would say the one thing that you can take away from what we saw in that first, you know, lineup is that they really are, like they've said, they're trying to really go forward with Tyler Smith staying at left tackle and kind of leaving that left guard spot up to, hey, best man win. You know, when, when the ones took the field last Thursday was Matt Farniak in that role. And then after he came out, Chuma uh, Odoga, the free agent they signed from the Jets, he worked again in, with the ones, but he came in behind uh, Farniak. And so I think that you're going to see a, when we get out to training camp where it's going to be Farniak's going to get a shot, Adoga, Josh Ball, uh, maybe even Awesome Richard, the offensive tackle they drafted in the fifth round out of North Carolina. They might give him some looks there. And, and ultimately, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some days where they do try Tyler Smith there uh, just to get some looks at, you know, going back to what we would say is probably their best buy with, with Tyron Smith being at left tackle you know, Terrence Steele at right and then Tyler at, at left guard. But, you know, they didn't have Terrence Steele out there because he's still coming back from the knee, uh, 
you know, offseason knee surgery. And so once he gets back out there, they have mentioned about potentially working him at left guard. I'll believe that when I see it. I, I still think that his, he's ultimately going to be playing at right tackle. Does the new uh, the new rule uh, on the kickoff, does that in any way affect the value of Cavante Turpin? Um, I mean, yeah, probably a little bit. But, I mean, I wouldn't say that it affects Cavante Turpin like it affects every other returner in the league, you know, that it's not great for your job when that's the main thing that you do. Um, but I, I mean, those rule change or that rule change, that doesn't make me change my belief that, you know, as I, if I set my 53 right now, I think he'd be on it. And, you know, when the training camp ends and preseason ends, I think he'll be on it uh, there as well. And I, I just, I, I, he's pretty aggressive. So I don't know how many fair catches he's going to be doing. And that could be a bad thing in some situations, but um you know, I mean, I look at last year in the preseason, and, and he came out of nowhere and played really well. And so as long as he keeps doing that and, and he's solid in his decision-making, uh, I think his job will be fine, and I think that it will be his job. I know there's some people that talk about, oh, well, let Deuce Vaughn do it. You know, he's a smaller guy. Let him get back there. I, I don't get the sense that they want to do that. I, I can see him getting some reps there as, as being the number two guy, but I expect Devontae Turpin to be their returner this year. Paul, anything else? John, thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. John Machota, theathletic.com on the Cowboys, and also tidbits when we get into the National Football League, too. When we come back, Paul Catalina and the top five right here on 365 Sports. It is the last day of May, and it is, well, not too late for you to go by Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Loop 340 and just east of 84 in Waco. It's also Highway 6. The Memorial Day sales event continues until they shut down their doors tonight. Greatest selection of brand new inventory in Central Texas and now get 10% off MSRP on 2023 Ram, 1,500 crew cab loan starts and Laramies. That's right, 2.9% as well available for 72 months. The choice is yours. Shop huge selection of new inventory. They also have pre-owned as well. But Memorial Day sales event ends tonight at Allen Samuels and get 10% off MSRP on the 2023 Ram 1500 Crew Cab Lone Starts and Laramies or 2.9% financing for 72 months. Again, the choice is yours. It's Memorial Day sales event. Alan Samuels, the general manager, incredible. Ted Teague, a great staff to help you with what you are looking for when it comes to what car or vehicle you want. And their service department is fantastic, too. It's Alan Samuels, the May Memorial Day sales event, a couple of two or three hours left, Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Aaron Duvall, owner of Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business? We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the, in the beef business, uh, the, the ranching business, and we've specifically got into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House and uh, sell directly to the public. Aaron, everyone yeah. knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type of profession? We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's, uh, it's such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have, uh, you know, a good animal every now and then. But Wagyu produces really consistently good beef every time. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 observations on the early season TV schedule. Number 5, the first Big Ten game on CBS is Northwestern versus Rutgers. And I read this in a story, and they, the way even CBS released it is the Big Ten debuts on CBS with Ohio State and Indiana at 2.30 on September 3rd. Also on that day is Northwestern, or 3.30, is Northwestern versus Rutgers at noon. So, no, 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 this, that's not how it happens. You don't get to, like, flip them and say your debut is the second one. But the first one they're getting is Northwestern versus Rutgers, which is a little bit strange to me. 
seeing as that those are the two teams in the league that are the least thought of. Um, and I thought maybe the first CBS Big Ten game would be a big rollout. But are they the least thought of? Maryland. But, Mar- but Maryland's, Maryland's good. Got a little Rut- going yeah. Wasn't Rutgers last year a little bit? Haven't I, I don't remember their record. I thought they no. were okay. Maybe I mean, was what Rutgers not bad. I'd well, know. hell, Nebraska beat them, so that's how bad yeah. they were. Okay, so, all right. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not, you know, I'm just saying, I just find it peculiar that the the big rollout is Rutgers and and Northwestern, although they're, you know, making sure you know that right after that, Ohio State's on. Um, it is strange that the, they would pick those two schools to to do that. That's just my my first observation on that, or what that they lost in the draft, whatever it was that they had that on there, because Fox still does have. Uh, some well, I mean Fox, but there are still some Big Ten and Pac-12 games and everything else this year that kind of complicates all this before the new TV deals fully kick in in earnest uh, next year. So, okay, that that doesn't that doesn't tickle my fancy. Uh, can only go up from there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, give them the worst and uh, have you know all the rest of it appear like it's even better than what you just. I mean, that's that's what I can think of. Yeah. That's you know part of what you could accomplish that but i mean i don't want to di- be super disrespectful I'm of these not, programs i'm not trying to be i just think no, i'm, yeah, saying, I'm speaking for myself yeah, you're, 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 you're blasting i don't want to i don't want to you know bash them personally but yeah it's not an exciting game it's when you think of the big 10 you're thinking usc versus michigan that's what you're thinking of you're not thinking of rutgers versus northwestern well not this year usc michigan won't play this year or, or, yeah okay. i know you i know you're yeah. man i know you're yeah man. I'm sorry. you're thinking of ohio state michigan <laughs> you're thinking yeah. of something grand and big wisconsin and large. penn state yeah but you're not thinking about this but hey it's chicago versus new york according to some people what so would it'll that have be a huge in comparison radio. cbs if it was an sec game but instead of northwestern rutgers it was two sec teams mississippi it's state and vanderbilt okay yeah <laughs> all right you know, that's the first one you get. I mean, I'm sure you're happy to have them, but again, for the first one, usually there's a little bit more fanfare to it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, number four, Matt Rule will have a lot of atten- eyes on his debut. Um, he'll be the first game. I mean, that, that's the first game, 6 o'clock. To, there's another game that night, obviously, at 7 o'clock, but they're the Fox game at 6 o'clock Minnesota? against Minnesota yeah, Minnesota's on August 31st. The canoe man, row, row, row your boats, beating them up. They've, they've had their number. We'll see. That'll be, I think that'll be an interesting, as long as P.J. Fleck and Matt Rule are there, that'll be an interesting matchup when they do play because they do, they are very similar in their in their strategies as far as uh, game planning. But a lot of eyes uh, early, and, and the, the second game as well is big noon. Okay, that's against the second Dion. game. What day is that, the September 3rd? What, is that the first the weekend? Ni- the Who's ninth. Baylor playing that day? Is that Utah at 11? Yes. Or is the, No, they have a game. They have. Uh, no, that's Texas State. Uh, yeah, Texas State at six. You know what yeah. time's this one at? This one's at. I got. I'm going to come down. Well, that's with the on cold. Thursday. That's on Thursday. Oh, okay. But the, All right. The big noon kickoff. Will be, you'll have plenty of time. Okay. To watch All right. So good. you'll be good. Good. You'll be good to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, it will be a huge debut for Matt Rule and uh, not an easy opponent there. I mean, conference game right out of the gates and, uh, you know, then Colorado right after that and they play Michigan at the end of the month. So um, they play five games in the month of, or I guess that first month of the season because they play on August 31st and then four games in the month of September. And in that month, he'll play Minnesota, Colorado, and Michigan and then Northern Illinois and La Tech in between. So um, going to be... Very interesting first five weeks of the year for uh, for Matt Rule and company to, to get their feet wet. 
Number three, Oregon versus Texas Tech in prime time. There, I know this shouldn't be a surprise, but I think it's a testament to what Joey McGuire did in a year with Texas Tech because this could have easily been a game uh, that they didn't because they, you know, the networks didn't respect Lubbock or they kind of, uh, you know, didn't put them on the same, you know, cross conference brand level as maybe Oregon did. But uh, this game's in prime time when they do play it. I think it's going to be a great one. It's going to be, I mean, just absolutely ridiculous to watch. Uh, and, you know, it's also Tyler Shuck versus his former team. Lots of intriguing story storylines. This one would have been one of those weird, I mean, it wouldn't have been because Oregon had been at 11 o'clock, but this could have been one of those weird, stash it at a weird time, uh, non con games. If, if Joe McGuire didn't do in year one at Texas Tech what he did. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to look up the schedule. I think it's a pretty nice game for week two. I don't yeah. think it's all that shocking that it's a prime time game. I mean, but I'd have to compare Tech it to... Tech gets a lot of games at night, don't they, Craig? I guess so, I think yeah. In Lubbock, I, I think they do, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be uh, an electric atmosphere, and I think having it at Lubbock at night will will certainly amp that up, and that's the thinking behind it is you know you're going to have a great crowd, and they're a team that's expected to be really good, and so is Oregon. So I think it's makes a lot of sense that uh, that this finds itself where it is and uh, should be, you know, a, a really fun atmosphere and a heck of a ball game. So we'll see. I, I don't want to put, I don't want to lay it on too thick with Texas tech. Like, I mean, I think they're going to be good. I don't know about like competing for a national title or nothing. I feel like um, we can kind of probably blow it up too much, but I mean, when you win eight games in your debut season and you beat Oklahoma and Texas, even if they were, you know, late wins, uh, like both of them were, I mean, you're going to have some, some people, you know, raising the flags for you and, and expecting a lot in year number two. And, you know, this would be a great litmus test for them early on and potentially a massive win uh, for, for Tech or even for Oregon as well. Number two, Texas A&M versus Miami at 330 could be an all-time great. Could be great with two teams rebounding from bad years a year ago or an all-time dud of a, of a prime spot in, in the 330-230 window there because based on the way these two teams played last year, they belong nowhere near 330. It'd be a they, pillow they, fight, They right? really don't belong anywhere near 11 o'clock or 7 o'clock. This game, based on last year, two 5 and 7 teams should be on ESPN Plus at 7 p.m. Uh, or maybe a, on Apple or yeah, Amazon. Exactly. Or, I'm not just because they were both not good. Now be everybody be hopes well, it'd be a very well watched game yeah. because of uh, again uh, the the school the ba- the bases Miami still has that little edge to them although it's a distant memory. That'll be fun and, one to see and, what happens. And do you remember this game last year? May kickstart Wa- one of the it, two. Yeah, it was bore. Yeah, I think I, I think I turned it over to Jackson State in Prairie View. <laughs> what would have been a better game? This game was really for all the hype going into it. It was an absolute snooze fest. Miami was never in it. A and M was in control the whole time, but didn't like look good in control of it. Like they like if there were two drunk guys like at a bar in a fight. A&M was the one who would like one shot less yeah. and so was maybe in control. That was how it looked and it just yeah, it was but I'm hoping for a better one this year because we I, I want more, you know, cross-conference games like this. Uh and A&M and Miami should be fun for everybody. The college yeah, football should to be. Watch. We'll see. Yeah, we'll maybe see. they won't uh maybe neither team will hyperventilate on their expectations cuz the expectations are not nearly what they were a year ago. Well, and that's when AM usually does well, when everybody thinks that they're going to suck. So yeah. we'll see. Number one, Fox wants Dion. Verse two, first two uh, big noon kickoffs are Colorado games uh, with, with Dion in, against TC. I said Dion, 
Colorado against TCU, who is, you know, defending uh, – we're not – I mean, they won the CFP game last year and then went to the national The national runner-up. National runner-up. Thank you, Craig. Yeah, they are not and defending then, Big 12 champions, no. and then And then you've got Colorado versus Nebraska, which is in a really intriguing early season uh, non-conference game for, for both Matt Rule and Deion Sanders. I'm glad those you, are the, you were nice by using intriguing. It's, it's intriguing because we don't know, like, both teams are chock full of transfers. Yeah, we don't no. know what their chemistry is going to be like and all that. So – We'll see what's going to happen, but I do think it's interesting that Fox Big Noon is there is what they want, and their two Big Noon games are these games with well, Deion Sanders before they really get not that TCU and Nebraska aren't the meat of their schedule, but the meat of their schedule is well after this and where where did Joe Clad where's Joe Clad in television where's he at what's that Fox work? okay where did he go to school Colorado yeah he yeah. again yeah. while while they know that Deion will still be intriguing yeah. because if they do struggle and I don't think it's an indictment on Deion as a coach if they do there's so much you know turnover there that it's it's expected that they struggle i don't think it would be an indictment but i don't care how good of a, or intriguing a, a personality Dion is if they're three and seven and after 10 games yeah. nobody's gonna care yeah they'll be on the back back burner but they win those first two the hype machine which is already in full drive will be rather interesting to watch well it's refreshing to see something different um than the typical you know, spots they usually land and, you know, not that it's always the same. They, they try to think outside the box, but this is just a slam dunk. I mean, early season, different place to be. I mean, there's a lot of hype surrounding them. Like you said, Paul, I mean, they could be two and seven mm -hmm. a few weeks later and nobody cares. Uh, and they're already planning on where Dion goes next or, you know, it might just be the start of seeing them all the time. Uh, kind of like we have, at uh, times during this offseason, it's felt like uh, they've made a lot of waves. So, you know, it just only makes sense that you talk about them all offseason. You're going to put eyes on them when the season rolls around and the games that are actually played. And it's a great opportunity for Colorado uh, to have the big spotlight and a lot of eyeballs. And we'll see what they do with it. But that is an, also a scenario where they could very well uh, drop the TCU game, drop the Nebraska game. And then, you know, the, the storyline of the narrative changes on – what the expectations are, or what Dion's going to be able to do in year one. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, really uh, interesting to see them actually roll it out there and see him on those sidelines coaching against Matt Rule and, and Sonny Dykes and company. All right, Paul, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks again to Emery, Jack, Levi, Graham, and Garrett for running the mothership. Our sponsors, of course, who make us go as we end another month in May and start a new month tomorrow in June. I'll be out of pocket from tomorrow and come back on Tuesday going down to see my brothers in the, on the east coast of Florida. Looking forward to that. For Craig Smoke and Paul Catalina, sports tonight at 10.30 tonight on the CW, powered by 365 Sports and presented by Rooftop Innovations. I'm David Smoke. Have a great night and good night. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com or call us at 833-IDEAL-MRI.
Oh, for Big 12, Karen? Three, two, one. Tonight on Sports Tonight, powered by 365 Sports here on the CW and presented by Rooftop Innovations, Karen Brodkin with... Okay, hold on. Three it again. Three, two. Tonight on Sports...